Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sometimes needing new tires can catch us by surprise. That's why tire power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tirepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. James Magnuson. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Very good. It is. And um, of course, Dragon's favourite son, Jason Nightingale. How are you? Uh, absolute pleasure to be coming in uh, first drop, apparently, for Stevie. Um, yeah, <laughs> he did great to be here, especially on a, yeah, NRL Sunday. He did get a very late call up last night um, uh, when uh, we realised we needed another host. What were you doing when I we was, called? I was uh, at a, f- a flight facilities festival, live music again. <laughs> You're yeah. at a festival. Yeah, well, like a, yeah, not like a raging festival, but um, a music, outdoor live music event. Where was that? It was uh, in uh, Entertainment Quarter, so right next to the SCG. I was uh, walked past the Waratahs game and... Um, that would have yeah, been going off. Yeah, it was pumping. Um, <laughs> they were uh, winning, apparently. Um, but no, it was it was good. We had the Sharks. Uh, I live in the Shire, so I saw that as I was leaving and... Um, and then, yeah, live sport, live music. It was yeah. just made, made me feel uh, alive again. I know. It's good to be out. It's good to be back. James, how are you? Yeah, really good. Uh, yeah. I wasn't at a concert last night. What were you doing? Uh, I stayed in and watched the football. Mm-hmm. I had a big night Friday night, so yeah. I cruised last night, so I was fresh today. What would you do? Oh, that's very professional and responsible <laughs> of you. I'm guessing, Jason, a few barocas and a bit of caffeine this morning nah, to get you um, in here. Uh, I'm... Veteran enough to to uh, only have a couple of drinks and uh, also too scared <laughs> of a hangover and uh, yeah got up bright and early and, and uh, you know you obviously did your homework last night and watched all the sport but I had to watch it all this morning and, and rattle it in so I had to be prepared and, and ready to go for that and to play around with the kids as well. There's a lot on uh, at the moment. What did you do on Friday? What was your Friday night? Just a quiet dinner that turned into the pub afterwards. Mm. It turned into a bit of a kick on Classic. one of those uh, you know one unplanned nights, but they're always the funnest. Classic, classic. Well, I worked, so I had uh, absolutely no fun um, <laughs> at all. Uh, so the, we are, there is a lot of sport on today, as you mentioned, but the footy codes, they're both back. That's great. Um, or we had a bit of a, uh, we had a bit of an announcement from the NRL earlier this week on the NRLW, the expansion. So this was quite, re- it's quite a revolutionary in the NRLW uh, game. Um, in that it's sort of, I guess, the biggest jump that we've seen in the game since its inception in um, 2018. So um, the expansion is that they will go from six teams at the moment to eight teams next year to 10 teams, uh, which is a huge. We've obviously got a um, got sort of all those teams expanding. We've had the three new ones this year, the Knights and um, the Dragons, uh, the Knights and the um, Titans and the Eels have all come in. Um, what do you guys think about this? I think it's great. Um, you know, it's obviously uh, pressure puts pressure back on the development of the game, which mm. is um, a good thing. I think it's it's about encouraging uh, females to participate in that in those uh, junior levels and the second tier competitions. It's been making them stronger as well. So things like the the Harvey Norman Cup and, and those competitions are you know becoming a lot more 
um, yeah, filled with players and talent that can, uh, can hopefully kick on through those pathways. I know at uh, St. George Illawarra, we're looking at both uh, St. George and Illawarra options to, yeah. be able to, to be able to sort of play in that second tier competition and, and, and hopefully feel, feed players up to um, our NRLW team. But if not, then feed some of the other competition. You know, we've got St. George and St. George Illawarra juniors um, playing all out the competition. It's, it's sort of really on those other places that are getting involved in, and expanding the competition to really focus on their, their grassroots women's rugby league, which is only going to be good for the game. And also, I think that uh, Andrew Abdo in particular, the NRL CEO, he's actually really focused on not expanding too fast either because those pathways haven't been there for really for a long time. They're sort of only just getting up now. So he's really focused on making it sustainable so you don't sort of dilute the talent. Yeah, well, and, and yeah. I think you mentioned that responsibility on the Illawarra comp and the St. George and, and the Shire as well mm. as building a lot of players and Brisbane and South East Queensland um, hunting grounds for, for talent and, and New Zealand as well. I think we'll see the Warriors come back in, in, yeah. in some stage. So I think it does put pressure on those already growing pathways, but the, but the people like Newcastle coming in, incentivizing them to, to push and grow their own pathways so they can have local talent really celebrated when they get to the NRLW. Do you think with the NRLW, so I've watched a bit of it over mm-hmm. the past couple of years and the standard seems really high already. Yeah. And if I can make a comparison compared to AFLW, the standard of the NRLW seems to have come in at a higher point yeah. and accelerated quicker. Do you think potentially the reason behind that is growing up in New South Wales or Queensland, a lot of girls uh, play uh, touch football mm-hmm. already? Um, so already have a skill set that can then be transferred into the NRLW. Uh, yeah, I, I think as a as a grassroots level, the non-contact touch footy or or Oz tag or league tag or whatever non-contact, the skills there. It's um, I suppose gaining the confidence, and and then the next step of it is teaching them how they're contacting and the transitions. Of skill is is not much. It's more the application and, and learning on the on the contact side. I think the one thing that I I've, I've seen this year with the NRLW is that's improved dramatically is the offloads. Just mm. um, offloading for really nice little tries that have um, was really dramatically improved. But that's an interesting observation because I don't really I'm not really part of AFL sort of as a journalist or um, I haven't even really followed it. It wasn't something that I brought up with. So you could be right. Maybe that is why, because we were all, I, I didn't have the opportunity to play rugby league when I grew up, but I played touch. Yeah. So. And the skill set does. But the, the one thing I think for anybody out there listening that hasn't watched the NRLW, the physicality is oh. certainly there. My God, they hit, yes. they hit so hard. Yeah, yeah, they do. It's it's quite terrifying at times, actually. Um, and we sort of saw a great game yesterday. The Titans came back to win against the um, Broncos. It's only the second time the Broncos have been beaten since the inception of the competition. It was a very seesawing game. It was the first Queensland derby, so they'd be thrilled to have that first derby win with the Titans only coming in this year. And Brianna Clark, um, she sealed it with a 66-minute uh, penalty goal, so that proved the difference. So... It was a great, really great game. If you haven't watched it and you're looking for something to watch, I highly recommend that on um, Catch Up. I was actually sort of, uh, I was at work yesterday and I was waiting for the women's cricket to come on and I was watching that and then I completely forgot to switch over to the women's cricket and I kept watching like the Titans, um, the men's game. So (laughs) it sort of like got me in. So that's the kind of thing that is good for the game and it's good business you know, if, and that's the thing. I I think we all argue with people um, when the people who are negative about it, you're like, well, 
if from a purely business point, you you have to expand your sport sport into an untapped market, and cricket has done it for twenty years, and now they're reaping the rewards. Um, uh, we've got the Eels and the Roosters in the NRLWJ and the Knights and the Dragons. Uh, the latter, Broncos are uh, out in front and then the, uh, Dragons, Eels and Titans are all behind. But uh, let's have a look at um, Saturday's game. What exci- uh, In the NRL, what excited you about Saturday's, about the matchups? Well, yeah, after like reviewing this morning, I think they were all close games. I think we saw a lot of blowouts um, towards the end of last season and and really, it was only yeah. the Cowboys getting away from the Raiders that that was sort of a big scoreline. So um, yeah, like I said, I was around the Shire and saw all the the Sharks fans lining up, and I ran, ran into Cameron McGuinness and gave him a few few words this morning of congratulations. And um, I'll be heckling him uh, local derby next week. But I, just to see them, yeah, get that win and uh, grind away. It was it was a that's what that's what I like to see is so close grinding encounters. I think we've been fortunate enough to have them um, round one and two of the competition so far. It was uh, good to see everyone back at Points Bet Stadium too. ScoMo was there. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, well, the pol- politicians are out in force at the moment. Yeah. We had about a hundred at the at our game for uh, which was great. Yeah, you know, great to see really? them behind it with Norm Proven's tribute as well. Oh, of course. Yeah, so it was a bit bit of a bigger meaning, but um, yeah, yeah good to see ScoMo's back at the footy and. Uh, yeah, the the shire the shire was buzzing buzzing yesterday, and 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 that win, you know, a bit of a bit of rivalry with Parramatta, and I think those guys, those squads, really stack up nicely. So it was good to see them go toe today. Your thoughts, James, on sharks and eels? Yeah, it was a surprising one for me. I actually thought eels might blow them out mm-hmm. after um, a disappointing showing. Even though the eels won in the first round, I thought they were pretty disappointing against the Titans, and really switched off that second half and looked a bit clunky. Um, kind of hard to get a read on where the, where the eels are at. I had them. Yeah. I had them as a top four team coming into this season, and like everyone else, I'm probably of the thought that if they're ever going to win a comp, this is the year. Given that they're losing yeah. quite a few personnel next year, namely Reed Marnie to to my Bulldogs. But um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed by Para. They just looked to get a little flustered in the big moments, rush things. Their forwards didn't dominate the way I expected. Um, I, I was actually really impressed with the Sharks. Um, I, I've kind of got a, a, a top six locked in my head for that top eight for the year, and I think there's probably two spots that a number of teams will be fighting it fighting it out for. And at this point in the in the season, only two rounds in, I, I tend to think at the moment it'll be the Dragons and uh, and the Sharks that will make up those two positions. What was your top six? Who did you uh, have? So we got uh, Roosters, Melbourne, Souths, uh, Parramatta, Manly, and there's one I'm missing. A wild card? No, it's not a wild card. Uh, Penrith. Yeah, the Riff. Penrith. Oh, yeah, of course. So that's that's kind of my six locked for the, the top eight. I, I think we're just – last season we saw this huge gap between the top and the bottom. It has mm. been nice to see through the first two rounds – even with the, the rule changes, the competition seems to have come a little bit closer again. Um, we haven't seen those those big blowouts. But, yeah, in my mind, those top six teams are, are probably a lock. Manly are looking the shakiest of those top six. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the teams fighting for those bottom two um, in the eight. I, I look at um, St. George, Sharks, Canberra, potentially Broncos, um, and then maybe Warriors around that, that bottom part of the top eight. Titans, uh, I've probably put a line through them now. I, I'm, I don't really rate what I've seen these first two rounds. Really? Yeah, yeah. Jason, do you agree with those? Yeah, um, yeah, they're pretty spot on. They're not 
too out of the box. I think there there will be a, a transition between. I think Sharks are getting better and Parramatta probably, like you said, is sort of last hurrah. Um, I think Manly, you can't write them off yet. Uh, yeah. You can't write anyone off yet, and you can't, you know, look at us and go, yeah, we're definitely in the eight as the Dragons because we've played decent for the first two rounds. It's uh, yeah, Manly will get better. They, I, I've got mm. them still. They, they'll they will they won't play like this all year, and and they have a, a great squad. I think they'll finish top four. Um, but yeah, no, everything pretty pretty spot on there. It's interesting to see, and I hope that gap isn't as big as it was last year because it was um, noticeable from that it probably was. top five ish um, d- down, and then yeah, sort of the bottom five, and then everyone in between just just making up the numbers. And I don't think it'll be like that again this season. So I'm excited. The really amazing thing about the Sharks and the Eels game was Nico Hines completely um, nailing that conversion right at the end when he'd had a pretty shocking night. So it was really good to see him. We have to take a break, but you can join the conversation throughout the show. Call 1300-01-1170, text 0457-736-736. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to Crunch Time. You are with Jason Nightingale, James Magnuson and Jaleesa Abs. I've been abandoned by Sock today. Um, I will give you regular updates on his cricket if he does anything. Um, I'm reliably informed he is actually playing cricket. We are brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max, Born to Live. Sock was meant to arrange just a two-for-one deal. I hope he's on to that. Um, I'll be following that up next week. Big news today. Kalen Ponga out for the Knights with a knee injury. Just as the Knights were looking good, guys. Kalen Pong is out. How much will this affect them? Yeah, I, th- I think they'll be okay. He didn't have a blinder last week against the Roosters, which if you told me that the Knights were going to beat the Roosters, I would have had. To, I would have said Ponga would have had to have starred in that game. Mm. I think Adam Clune in the halves looked awesome. Yeah. Um, one thing, it'll make this game a little a little more interesting, a little tighter, yeah. but I, I think the Knights are going to be okay, to be honest. Yeah, if um, if I'm Madge Maguire, I've actually physically cheered once I've heard Caelan Ponga out. It was, um, he certainly makes a difference. But you're right, it was everyone that sort of chipped in last week. It wasn't like he had a try or a try assist or anything like and that. Dane Gagai, back to the Knights, he looked awesome. Mm. I think that was a huge signing for them and something that people have probably... Missed a little bit when dissecting South Sydney's performances the first two weeks. Losing Gagai, as well as Reynolds, obviously. But mm. I think Gagai, the, the meterage he gets out of his own end is invaluable um, for, for the Knights and for South Sydney last year. Tex Hoy will move um, off the extended bench to fullback. Jason, um, you agree with that? It's not going to be huge for the Knights? Uh, I think it'll be, yeah, I think it will be pretty big for them. Um, he creates a lot of their attack, but I think, like you said, the, the energy, if they play like they did last week, mm. um, Roosters weren't great, but I think if they play like they did with that energy l- last week, then it won't be the biggest thing to notice because it was more uh, all the little things they did and, and how hard they worked. And, and, and yeah, just the, they out-enthused the Roosters at home, which was, um, yeah, really, really Interesting to see that. So um, interesting to see how Tex Hoy goes. He's obviously um, been around a couple of years and 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 does step into this role um, in in some some games here and there when Kalen's out. So um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be just a challenge he's willing to take on as well. Uh, on the other side of that, you've got um, obviously they're taking on the West Tigers, who I thought were pretty impressive against the Melbourne Storm for most of the game. Um, is it a case, Jason, that they just sort of do need to just do that for longer? Yeah, well, I think this is going to be a, a, a challenge, but also a winnable challenge. Um, mm. You know, Melbourne round one, I don't think they've ever lost ever. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. Make, knowing that that 
the way that they approach that that game, if they play again like that um, against Newcastle, I think they'll, they'll put themselves in box seat to, to win that game. I reckon tip them, actually. Uh, Match had a few players that weren't at training. Luke Brooks uh, was one of them, Ken Mamalo, but he assured me yesterday when I spoke to him that uh, it was just re- it was just management. It was just managing. Does that sound right, Jason, that you're managing someone in round one? So, Lisa, as I, as I uh, explained to you, that is his, his <laughs> managing external uh, well, internal injuries that he yeah. doesn't want to man- manage externally. So, I'm sure they're carrying something and, and a knock. It's a knock he didn't want to tell you about, and it's a knock he didn't want to tell you about because he won't want to know, won't want the opposition to know that, um, you know, his winger and and, and halfback are, are carrying injuries. So, um, no, it's not a concern. If it was captain's run they missed, then definitely. But if they're only missing one, yeah, it's something he just doesn't want to tell you about. And fair enough on Madge there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough on a need to know basis. I yeah. think they call that. SEN's got the call later from 3 p.m. Jimmy Smith, Tim Manor, and Mark uh, Carroll will be calling that um, in the headlines today. Also, Adam Reynolds making his club debut. Broncos captain finally started halfback against the Bulldogs when he missed because uh, of COVID. I think he was actually cleared um, in terms of he was allowed to return, but um, they gave him a little bit more time because when he went to run, he said it was actually um, a little bit stressful. He said he wasn't actually too sick, but then when he went to run, it was a bit stressful on his lungs. Have you guys had COVID? No. Yeah. Oh, you have. There we go. You You've had it? Yeah. yeah. I've had in it. The pool. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of a couple of days for me, a bit of a cold, a bit of a fever, um, just bedridden for a couple of days. But I could imagine... You wouldn't want to be out physically exerting yourself mm. like that um, the next week. And it's a long season, like, to put yourself through that week one, round one of 24-round season. Did you swim it out? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, honestly, it, it was probably two days and I was I was back on my feet doing my thing. So um, I, I didn't I didn't have any huge issues. So when you went back to exercise, you didn't feel it? No. Really? No, I was straight back into it. Yeah. Um, yeah lucky. I think, yeah, I think I was lucky. It was pretty mild compared to what some of my mates had. Mm. But I was in that group around that Christmas New Year period. Yeah. Came back from... I think we um, all were. <laughs> yeah, came back from seeing family up north in Port Macquarie. And first day back, got it. Yeah. yeah PMAC, yeah, it'll get yeah. you. Got Latsy up. My <laughs> mate, Lat- Jeremy uh, Lattimore, was up in PMAC and he caught it up yeah. there too. So stay away from there, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I managed to avoid it in Sydney the whole time. I was just counting down until I got home. Uh, I'm from a small country town. On the 7th of January, I had this like... You've got to name your small country uh, town. Borrella. I yeah, name it, honestly, say, if, like, you'd like, to, oh, if you'd listen to... If you'd listen to me on it all, I, I flog Borrella. <laughs> the, the listeners are sick of hearing about Borrella. But um, I got it um, on the 7th of Jan... Uh, the day I got back, basically. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I'm obviously not an athlete <laughs> and so didn't have any problem returning to exercise cause I didn't start to begin with, but, um, I did feel pretty rattled for, so I can imagine like if you're a professional, did you say you haven't had it? No, I haven't Jason? had it. Sorry. So I'm just sitting here all You're smug. the only one left in Sydney that yeah. hasn't. You are literally the only one. I'm, I'm smug. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm immune till tomorrow. You're right. <laughs> so I hang around with you too. Uh, um, so he's, um, obviously making his club debut, uh, and also against the Bulldogs who have Tavita Pengai Jr. who was punted from the Broncos. So it's actually an interesting matchup, this game. Yeah. Tavita will love that as well. He's one of those fiery types. He'll have a chip on his shoulder today. We saw him absolutely lose the plot in a trial match. Mm. So expect him to be all guns blazing to Savo. But I think this... It's an interesting clash, if not a top-of-the-table clash. Um, 
these two probably fighting out for, again, mid-table, maybe bottom of the eight if I'm being super optimistic about the Bulldogs. Yeah. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head out tonight for the 6 o'clock kickoff um, to, to watch my Bulldogs. I'm quietly confident. Are um, you? Yeah, quietly confident. Look, I, I loved what Matt Burton did last week. I yeah. feel like we've been missing a dominant kicking game like that for the past decade. Yes. Um, his kicking game was a huge addition. Uh, I think if we can draw the Broncos into an arm wrestle, they don't uh, historically like getting down and dirty for 80 minutes. Um, I think the Bulldogs have got the forward pack to do that. Um, do we have a lot of points in us? Potentially not. But I, I think if it becomes an arm wrestle, that they can they could sneak away with an upset. Do you know what I really liked uh, watching them last week too was Fox revving everyone up, that vision oh. where he was just like, come on, come on. We've like, been, yeah, we've been, we've, I think we've been missing that a little bit, just that he's come from a winning culture and as soon as, as, soon as the chips are down, his thought process isn't self-pity or wallowing in defeat. It's how do we turn this around? And that's, that's the attitude I saw from him against North Queensland. It wasn't oh, we're behind on the scoreboard, you know, let's let's relax. It was firing everyone up. And whilst he, being a winger, and they've paid him big money for a winger, whilst he, he doesn't have the same effect as someone in, you know, in the spine, that attitude is mm. invaluable to a team like the Bulldogs. And the, the winning culture that he's come from uh, is something that we've been missing. Jason, you've never, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, in, in team sport, I think that, that hype man is important. If mm. you don't have a hype man, you, you are missing a link, and that's worth, you know. Who is your hype worth, man? Yeah, uh, I was just about we to had, ask that. We had plenty of hype men, um, yeah, throughout our time. Um, wing, wing, I was a hype man, as off yeah. the wing, same thing, but it's, it's sometimes you can go, oh, get back to your wing. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, hype people up. But um, no, we had, actually, Jack DeBellin is a bit of a hype man. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he gets... Uh, very uh, sledgy, um, and yeah, get get to run up, and it's sort of confidence player that that is sort of doesn't take a backward step. It, you need one in your four pack. There's it looks yeah. like against uh, Panthers, um, Jack Bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jack, Jack is uh, Jack, Jack is definitely a hype man. Yeah, they, you, you can you can see it. You can see him from a mile away. They, as soon as you see him lip up, and you go, yeah. Um, but so yeah, Birdie, Birdie's a definite hype man um, at, at the club there now. And um, yeah, they, they they got a few few amongst them. You, you you need them. You need them in your squad to to pump them all up. And I think, like you said, coming from that winning culture and getting that energy um, is is just as impactful as, as leading by example. Mm. You were one of the rare players that didn't get to face your old club, which I'm sure you're very fortunate about. Uh, but um, you would have fight, played against a lot of people that were at your club and then left to go do other things. Do you sort of want to beat your mates more? Like, is that going to be Tavita's, um, is he going to be driven by that? Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's, there's, that's, that's part of my banter to Cameron McInnes, um, you know, spending a couple of years at Dragons, is making sure that, yeah, but he'll pretend to play it down. He'll play it down all week. And yeah. um, Reynolds hasn't been too bad at playing it down. Actually, when he was going to South, maybe he knew he wasn't going to play. Um, but, yeah, having that having that old club, um, like you said, a bit of, bit of chip on your shoulder and, and wanting to prove a point, um, whether you come out and say it um, beforehand or just try and let your actions do the talking, that's something. Um, yeah, Tavita will definitely look, look at doing. And, um, yeah, when I played my teammates in the past, it was it – was, very much intentional um, mm. the way that you, you sort of yeah let them know or or competed against in a friendly way I've always played against friends in in that have left or played uh, internationals with that um, yeah it adds a bit of uh, personal um, touch to to the physical sport 
Um, we're also looking at uh, Cowboys captain Jason Tamalolo um, reported in the Sunday Telegraph today, six clubs chasing his services. He's in the fifth year of his 10-year deal. When I see 10-year deals, actually, even when I see five-year deals, I never expect anyone to get to the end of them. Are you guys mm. a bit the same? Yeah, well, I don't think it's the smartest decision on behalf of the club, but you've got to remember that first three years, everyone was talking about this was the bargain of the century, getting Tamalolo at that price, because he was touted at the time as the best 13 the game's ever seen. He was the most dominant forward in the NRL. Mm-hmm. He had an off year. But he also had a, an injury-riddled year. Um, I just wanted to quickly run you through some stats. Yes, for you've Tamalolo. got stats. I love this. Came with stats. You've come in with stats. So Tamalolo last night for the yeah. Cowboys ran for 161 meters, 25 tackles, zero misses. Not a bad game, right? Is it a, is it a million-dollar price tag? Potentially not, but it's the start of the season. He's warming into his work. If we have a look at some other forwards in the NRL on a million dollars or close to a million dollars. Two, two spring to mind for me. The first one, Jake Trebojevic, uh, you know, the, the, all the headlines were the Trebojevic brothers sign on for two mil a year for X amount mm-hmm. of years. So let's, let's assume he's on around 900,000. Trebojevic for the, for the Sea Eagles, 75 meters, run meters, 45 tackles, three misses. Numbers far lower than Jason Taumalolo's. We, we didn't speak about his performance. David Fafita for the Titans on 1.1 to 1.2 million a year, the, the highest paid forward in the NRL. 69 run meters, 27 tackles, three misses. Now, if the Titans uh, lose that game against the Warriors, are we saying it's David Fafita's fault? Are we saying it's Fafita or Holbrook? Mm. Um, I, I understand there's some problems there with with Peyton and, and Taumalolo potentially, but I just don't think Taumalolo's performances are as bad mm. as people think. He's not posting those ridiculous numbers that he was a couple of seasons ago when yeah. he was running for upwards of 250 metres a game. But I think he can work himself back into form, and I don't think he's the worst value forward out there. Fair? Yeah, definitely fair. I think it's a, it's a good... Yeah, those ridiculous numbers are what we got used to with Jason, but those also came with ridiculous minutes. He was playing long, long minutes, and I think that's probably the biggest change since Todd Payton's got there is trying to um, make him more effective in short amounts of time, and that's what happened on the weekend. He was very effective while he was out there um, without having to put his body through. You've got a guy on a 10-year contract. Mm. You can't play him for uh, as a middle forward for 70-plus minutes every week yeah. um, for 10 years. He'll, he'll break down, and, and, mm-hmm. and also changing that as he gets older um, – those minutes become more valuable and his longevity to the club becomes more valuable. And, um, yeah, it's, it's comparing like that. It's, it's definitely a, a, you know, there's something going on there for this to be coming out and, uh, I suppose spoken about more than it needs to, but Jason is a, is a leader of that club and as captain and, and a coach as well, that just need to get used to each other's style. And, and if that happens, I think he, he will be as effective as he was on the weekend again and again and again. And hopefully won't talk about it. Since his 10 year contract as well, couple of rule changes which mm. probably affects a player with his uh frame and structure mm. I, I see him as a prop i see him as a prop and the the number 13 now is a ball playing position mm-hmm. um and i think if he's punching out those numbers as a prop and those minutes we're all pretty impressed by it um those those rule changes have made it really hard on the big guys we've sped up the game we've made it uh fitness more of a, a focus um 
I think mid-season we'll be sitting here saying Taumalolo is once more punching out upwards of 200 metres a game as he gets that match fitness back and this this will be less of a talking point if if the Cowboys can, can get a few results along the way. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about this after the break and review that Cowboys game against the Raiders, but we have to take a break. You can join the conversation. Call one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. text 0457 736 736. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Welcome back to Crunch Time. You're with Jaleesa Abs. I'm with James Magnuson and Jason Nightingale. They're filling in for Sock. It took two people to fill in for Sock this week. He's uh, he's playing cricket. He's actually just got out for a, a duck. It's not going well for them. They're Manly Warringah all out for 105 against Randwick Petersham. So I don't uh, I don't I think Sock might not only join us for the next show, but he might join us for the last hour of the show. By the looks of it, hopefully he can bowl them to. Some sort of victory. Uh, boys, we were talking before about uh, Jason Tamalolo and the rift that sort of seems like there's a rift bubbling with him and coach Todd uh, Payton at the Cowboys. Um, and that's sort of leading to all this talk of him potentially going to other clubs. We've actually got a bit of audio after the press conference. Just listen. Records. He just bought it for me. <laughs> We're friends. It's been a while you've had it. Yeah. We're friends with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get me to pay for a beer, so I gave you a hundred week. Ah, yeah, they're all mates. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> Drinking beers together. I don't know. It's uh, certainly there's rumblings up there. Todd Payton in his press conference um, leading into the Cowboys and Raiders game said that all that talk will stop once they start winning. There was nothing behind it. They've addressed their relationship several times. Do we buy that, Jason? Well, yeah. I suppose. Um, it's true. It, it, you know what? As soon as they start winning, uh, everything will go away. And, and uh, if they keep winning, then we won't be talking about it. But, um, yeah, certainly if, the, if, if it doesn't go their way, then uh, we will continue to talk about it. Who wins the battle of the coach and the captain if it doesn't go away? Well, I don't know. That's hard to say. You're on a long... <laughs> I'm sure Tamalo's got him for uh, contract length left, time yeah. left there. But, um, no, they won't want to... It won't want to be a me or him kind of situation. I don't think it'll get to that. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously just figuring out exactly what is, you know, what's Jason's best role for the team and, and, um, and how, how to accept that. So if he, if he wants to, um, be as impactful and play really well, I think he'll play well if he's feeling good. And, and obviously he was feeling pretty good on the weekend and not just that he had a point to prove. I think you mentioned that as well. I reckon history says player. <laughs> You're putting your money History on History says player. Like yeah. if, when you look back over the years when it's come to these type of, again, we're, we're, we're probably making this into a bigger issue than it is, but when it's come to player versus coach over the years, it, use, it usually seems to be player that the club the club sides with. Yeah, I think it's I think it's players, plural. Players. Really, I think right. we're making this a Jason versus, even, yeah. even if it is a thing, we're not sure on the issue. Clearly there's um, there, there's something there because they've got to try and 
you know, work together. But if they do work together, it's going to be the best thing for the Cowboys. And I'm sure that's what they're working towards. And you saw some headway in that on the weekend. And Todd was very insistent that there isn't anything there. So maybe it's all just a big beat up. But he did say, yeah, once they start winning, it'll all go away. They did that uh, against the Raiders, 26 to 6. Big upset in Townsville. Cowboys ended their six-game losing streak. Uh, Did we see this coming? I am a Raiders fan and I actually tipped against the Raiders against the Sharks. So I do tip with my head, not my heart. I didn't see this one coming though. No, I didn't see this one coming. Uh, for mine, I can't get a good read on the Raiders. So I've got really weird team selections. There's centers playing on the wing, wingers playing in center, some not being selected at all. Similar things going on with that, that back row. They've got Whitehead, a, a back rower playing at lock. They've got Harawira, Naira and Hudson Hudson Young switching with Adam Elliott. It's hard to tell who's playing where when they come on. Um, they just they looked like they panicked in a few big moments on the weekend. Um, but again, uh, I can't completely grasp what Ricky Stewart's plan is for the team this year. Um, on top of that, Xavier Savage, who was potentially their most impressive player throughout the trials, uh, hasn't been cited through the first two rounds despite a number of injuries through that back line. Yeah, I've, Nick Kotrick was a late withdrawal with a quad strain. So that put Sebastian Cruz in, normally obviously plays centre into wing, which is was really tough on him, it looked like, and was is just not the position where he's comfortable. I thought he was a big omission from the first round, Sebastian Cruz. I thought he was really great last year. And I think you're right. Some of those selections are a little bit confusing, particularly where is Xavier Savage. He, Especially if you're looking to the future, he's probably someone you want to be bringing through uh, now. What about you, Jason? Did you think that it looked a bit of an odd team? Yeah, they, they are obviously feeling feeling their way around and trying to figure out what works best. He's obviously Ricky big on stamping authority on the, on those sort of positional changes and making sure they are clear. And, and obviously as spectators at the moment, we're not clear of exactly um, what the plan is. And, and, and for a fan yourself, that, that mustn't be easy to not be clear on what you're doing. I think that's... Uh, yeah, I suppose on the other, other on the other side of it, Cowboys had it had a mm. point to prove. Um, they were unlucky last week, um, so it's tough in North Queensland. So you go from Canberra to North Queensland, and uh, they'll they'll need to pick it up quick if they're going to be in that sort of top eight top eight period because uh, those sort of core positional um, changes you want to get in setting concrete uh, as early as possible in the season. It was mm. it was a great uh, win, and Tom Gilbert's actually going to join us at one thirty to chat about that. But yeah, as a Raiders fan, it's just looking like one of those seasons where it's just going to be Raider things happening all, all season. Uh, the Titans 20, um, they defeated the Warriors 18. Um, perfect start with for the um, Titans. They scored in the opening minute. AJ Brimson key in the win. He's um, back. It was interesting. I thought Justin Holbrook said in the press conference in the lead into that match that he's not a hundred percent AJ Brimson at the moment. And I thought that was a very interesting um, admission from a coach because normally they'll just be like, yeah, yeah, he's right to go. He's right to go. But he said, I keep reminding him his 90% is most players um, 100%. Mm. Um, What were your thoughts on that game? I thought the Brimson one's interesting, right? I I thought he was one of the best fullbacks in the comp a couple of years ago, particularly when he played for Queensland and filled in at fullback. I thought he was a star. He's been moved out of fullback to to bring in Jaden Campbell, and he to my to my eye, he looked a little uncomfortable in the six against uh, against the Warriors. It was it was a scrappy game. Either team could have taken it at any point if they could have held on to the ball for long enough. 
Um, Titans, jury's out for mine still. I just don't think they can grind out a win against those uh, topper echelon of teams. Um, I think they'll put a few big scores on those lower teams, but um, until I see them really get down and dirty in, in, a, in an arm wrestle with a couple of those teams sort of around their position on the table, uh, I, I don't kind of see them figuring later on in the year. Well, we have some audio from Nathan Brown. He was incredibly disappointed with um, the Warriors' uh, loss and he wasn't really hiding it. Not good enough if you want to win games. You know, we're past trying to develop players. We want to win bloody games of footy and that was just not, not acceptable. Yeah, not good enough start. Do you get the sense he's just getting frustrated at this point? Well, that start, it, it killed them. Um, and it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough as a coach. You, you score in the first set and, um, you know, and AJ Brimson obviously set that, set that up. If, if you aren't 100% and you're playing at 90%, fullback is not the position and potentially you get warm your way into 5-8 and he, he will, um, yeah, you can see the way we attacked that game and, and sort of put them on the front foot at the start. I thought the Warriors grinded um, back into the game really well and, and let themselves down. I suppose that's why Nathan um, is pretty disappointed. I was watching that game on Cows before before going out and uh, Nathan Brown's daughter actually babysits my kids and uh, we rode that roller coaster. So, um, yeah, seeing him emotional like that, um, yeah, he's sad to see. I've been coached by Nathan and actually Justin as well. But um, they'll, they'll they'll turn it around. They'll, they'll, they'll grind out. And I think there was some decent signs there when when it got a bit tough and rough that, that Warriors looked the better team. Is the COVID situation, is that still uh, having an effect? Not being able to be home, not being able to play in front of home grounds or all of that kind of thing? Knowing uh, Kiwis and the way that you know, what home means to them, I, I think it will be. Um, you know, it's something they've got to get used to and at least there's the, the biggest thing they've got is certainty around there where they're going to be for the next mm. uh, the rest of the season. I think that's probably the most important thing uh, for them to have stamped out straight away. Um, so they know where they're going to be. They know what they have to do. Um, it won't be easy, but no, I, I'm sure they're not using that as an excuse uh, this early in the season. Okay, well, we will take a break. You can join the conversation throughout the show. Call one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. text 0457 736 736. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Yes, you're with Jaleesa Abs, Jason Nightingale and James Magnuson. Oh, they are both filling in for Steve O'Keefe this weekend. Just a quick update. The England women need 197 runs from 294 balls to, um, against New Zealand women. New Zealand lost uh, their captain Sophie Devine uh, earlier this morning to an injury. That will hurt their tournament um, significantly. She is incredible. This is a battle of... Fifth and sixth, so the top four go through to the finals. Australia are already through. They've won five. They played five. They've won five. Uh, they chased down a World Cup record 278 against India yesterday with three balls to spare and six wickets. Um, Australia plays South Africa and Bangladesh, but again, they're already through to the finals. So uh, interesting um, little matchup there. Australia seemed to be well ahead in, the, in terms of women's cricket. So um, I was hoping New Zealand might sneak into the finals because it'd be great given that it is in New Zealand but um, we will see how they go there. Now looking at the Friday night game, Roosters 26 defeated the Seagulls 12. Very different performance from the Roosters, Jason. It was. Um, they looked exactly what they were missing last week. A bit of bit of energy and, and enthusiasm and, and 
and bounce and that you expect out of round one. Mm. Um, it was great to see uh, yeah, Sam Walker set up a couple of tries and old mate Drew Hutchison get across to the first and and the, and the great Nat, Nat Butcher double double. It yeah. was um, yeah, it was good to see. So I think that those tries there was nothing super stylish about about. Uh, about them, but they they were a lot more on brand for the Roosters as far as a lot more tough and grindy and and pressure building um, tries. Yeah, looking at that first round where they were defeated by the Knights, I think nobody saw that coming. Everyone sort of had them either in the grand final or in the finals um, at the bare minimum. Uh, the Seagulls would be very disappointed. I know we're in round two. But they're on the bottom of the ladder. <laughs> James has already written them off. So. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. gone. They're done. Yeah, the Bulldogs are ahead of them. No, um, look for Manly. I think the worry for Manly is it's it's a long season, and Desi's one of those coaches that plays the long game. He wants to be peaking at the right time of year, same as Trent Robinson. But the concerning thing for for Manly last season was they weren't beating those top sides um, in in those big games. On top of that, whenever those whenever they were playing those top sides, the the Storm, the Panthers, Roosters, they were getting blown off the park in the first 20 minutes. And the mm. same thing I thought happened the other night against the Roosters. They got blown off the park in the first 20 minutes. Um, we know they've got the strike power. We know they've got the roster to, to win these games. But the, the starts would have to be concerning for Des. And you'd think if you're at Manly training this week, all the talk would just be about getting on top that first 20 minutes and giving yourself the chance to get into the game. Um, maybe they're missing a little bit of firepower up front um, when you compare the two packs. But, yeah, for mine, it'd be concerning for Manly, but long season, and we know any of those bottom eight sides, Manly will absolutely blow out of the water. Um, for me, it's just concerning that they can't quite match it with, with those top teams. Manly still seem to be going with for Tom Travojevich all the time instead of they've got Jason Saab, Ruben Garrick, who um, were incredible last year. And Tom um, isn't getting the space. Have people, have the teams figured out, shut down Tom and you've shut down the Seagulls? I think the what you've noticed, a um, bit of pattern, um, game planning against uh, taking away Tom's effectiveness. And it's, it's really working um, quite well. It's it's bomb to Jason Saab and he's there and get get down there quick mm. and get them coming out of their own end and make them use Tom's energy to come out of the back of the field, which is yeah. he's still good at it, but he's not <laughs> not not gonna be as effective. He's one of the fittest guys in the game and, and he will keep turning up and set up tries. But uh, that game plan has been super effective. So they're gonna need to come up with something some way uh to combat that. Either don't let uh teams get down the field and, and lock you into that corner because it's been it, it's been really noticeable from from and uh, clearly that's part of uh, opposition coaching plans is is that's all we need to do to minimise him. He's still going to be effective, but but sapping all his energy for those back of the field runs where um, Ruben's not bad out of the backfield and and Jason's more of a finisher. So mm -hmm. that really puts a, puts a lot of weight on um, Tom's shoulders coming out of his own end, which is stifling potentially their, their attacking good ball. So they're going to have to do something about it because teams have figured out that's an effective strategy at the moment. Well, it was the build, the battle of the fullbacks and uh, James Tedesco certainly won that one. We're going to take a break, but you can join the conversation throughout the show. Call one 1170 It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Yes, welcome back to Crunch Time. You're with Jaleesa Abs, Jason Nightingale and James Magnuson. Sork's playing cricket at the moment. He's uh, 
not going great, I guess. Manly, Warringah, uh, they were all out for 105 and Randwick, Peter have just started batting. So hopefully Sock can clean them up. But then uh, selfishly, I sort of don't want him to win because then he'll be back next week. Sorry, Sock. Uh, not that I haven't loved being with you guys. Coming up this hour, we'll chat to the Cowboys forward, Tom Gilbert. We'll look at Thursday's Thriller in Melbourne and chat some Bulldogs with Fanatic. James Magnuson, you're a big Bulldogs fan. It's, I been, am. it's been a tough year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Knights and West Tigers are coming up after crunch time. Coverage starts 3 p.m. with Jimmy Smith, Tim Manor, and Brett Kamali. We just reviewed the Roosters win the other game. Panthers 20 defeated the Dragons. I really liked the look of the Dragons, James, and you did too. Yeah, I, I thought they're the standout team for the weekend for mine. Given what Panthers did to Manly last weekend, I was expecting a similar scenario on, on uh, the other night with, with the Dragons. But the depth they've got through the forwards, they got in the arm wrestle, they went set for set with them, and they were one drop ball away from potentially winning that game. We saw a mir miracle pass right at the end of the game from Zach Lomax to Ravalala, and he just dropped it. And you could argue that he probably would have scored there, which, which would have won the match for St. George. I see them as being one of the teams with the most upside in the comp given they've got a, a, a young team, Amon at 5'8", Sloan at, at fullback, Sullivan in reserves, who will probably come into the team now that McCulloch's out. I, I see them making the eight, but I also see them over the next couple of years building a really strong foundation to have a tilt um, in, in the near future. Jason, what did you take out of that game? You're still involved with the Dragons, right? Yeah, so I probably take a lot out of what James said. Is, um, that'll really help uh, involvement with the Dragons and the positive <laughs> feeling of all those Dragons <laughs> fans. I know that's especially hard coming from a doggies guy. Yeah. <laughs> mates who just want to death ride us. But yeah. no, it, it, it was, um, I think you look at it from the negative side is there's a couple of opportunities to, to make it easier on ourselves. The, the, the sin bins, um, errors and... and um, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't one that we definitely should have won. It's just one we could have won. And opportunities like that against the Premiers don't come along often. Mm. So it is a missed opportunity. But there was a lot of good signs, a lot of um, grit that came about from that. But, but I think what things that were in our control that we, that we let ourselves down on was, was a couple of discipline areas mm. um, around those, you know, it probably touchy, the, the Jaden Sewer uh, sim bidding, whether it should or shouldn't been. But should um, yeah. Shouldn't. Categorically, we'll, shouldn't. Yeah, well, I think we'll, we'll, agree with that. we'll agree with that. But um, it, it, despite that, uh, was pretty well played uh, by the boys to stay in there, and and then that last ditch effort, uh, um, it was it was cool. I was at the game, obviously, and you know the fans were we're, we're really upbeat and positive about it. But it is still a missed opportunity in the books. What's your involvement at the moment? What what is your exact role? Um, I don't have exact roles. Um, no, I, I, You're just I'm a floater. On, uh, no, I'm on, the, I'm on the board of the District Rugby League, uh, the St. George District. Uh, I uh, work in the partnerships team, so yeah. in um, selling the hope of m us making the eight and uh, getting involved in corporate hospitality and um, some apparel sponsorships and stuff like that. And then I uh, do a little bit of coaching with the back five. So right. in the off-season, get down there once a week and uh, in the season, a bit more mentoring and, and touching just little technique things to, to try and... Uh, decrease the error rate and, and, and give a uh, high percentage chance of, of taking high balls and, and getting in positions to score tries. Back five have, have looked good to start the year. Cody Ramsey looks like he's cut out a fair few errors out of his game. Is that something you've kind of worked on with him? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, not not you sort of don't speak about the technique um, and and getting in position. That's the that's the big part of it is is body position, how you prepare to catch a ball. Um, it is just as important as the actual physical skills in your coordination. Um, yeah, it's it's not great for me uh, when when they when they drop them my, my team. And, <laughs> you know, people give me plenty of stick and uh, ledger. I'm shouting beers all around and. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see the upside like Sloan, uh, Sloan's take to score that try. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the, that's the, the glory. And that's when I claim I, I'm, I'm super involved. And, and when there's uh, a few errors <laughs> that creep in, I, uh, I, I, yeah, no, I haven't been down in ages. So. <laughs> no, it is great. It's good to be around and, you know, having that connection to the club is, is, uh, is awesome with the commercial side, but, yeah. but more so special when you're involved with football. Well, I think the last time I actually saw you, it was the opening of the Dragons Museum. Down at the, uh, you, you were down there at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the opening of the Dragons Museum, which um, is, for any Dragons fan, I'm not a Dragons fan, but would absolutely love on that. Love it. Uh, Steve um, Steve Edge was down there that day too. And he, nicest man in the world. Steve he is. Edge, he's he? the nicest man in the world. He actually, I've got a few Dragons fans in my family. And he was like, oh, bring them in and just give me a call and I'll take them through the museum. <laughs> he's so Mate, it's funny. Cool. It'd be worth doing. If take him up on that offer. I took a few few of my mates through down around the museum because it's more the uh, the hidden stories. It's got little plaques, but then the hidden stories from someone like Stephen Edge or about if you know a bit more detail about uh, some of the artifacts in there. Um, there's some boots and stuff. But it was really cool to be able to open that up at the Central yeah. Police club and and have our fans just go and have a look at it and, and share in that and it's it's uh a special one I, I suppose any uh of those clubs even you know been around for a long time should think about doing something yeah. like that where where it's a it's a shrine to to history and, and it's very you know the history of st george Illawarra and, and st george dragons is a very important part of um what what motivates our players we've got mm. our players there during the week to um, have a little function there and they present right. george burgess so to understand that is is part of the the red v um, appeal and, and getting all these players that come from all over the world, you know, Burgess from UK and, and these people from other clubs to understand um, why it's important, mm. your club, the history and where, where, you, where the direction you're going. Uh, Andrew McCulloch dislocated his elbow and he'll uh, miss some time. I've got a question here from Steve from Norell and Jason, who should be playing hooker now? Um, I th- it'll be a combination, uh, hopefully, of, I think, Sullivan and Mbai. You've seen um, the tempo um, Mbai's been able to take the game to in, in, uh, in when he came on and replaced Andrew um, and uh, last week um, to score a try at the end of, of last week's game. So um, he's done a really great job. Um, so I don't think it's more as important as to who starts. It's probably just the, the mix of minutes if, if it's um, by paying 80 or Jaden comes in and, and it has an impact role there. I think it's, um, and James mentioned, um, that the depth is something we've built on and that's probably what is giving uh, ourselves and the fans and the people involved in the club and the people watching a bit more um, confidence that, that there is a bit more depth and, and backbone there to, to be able to be resilient to these things. And, and I don't think Andrew, you know, fingers crossed his scans come back okay because, uh, yeah, it can be, if there's nothing broken in there, can be not not too bad a recovery, four to six weeks. So fingers crossed. But uh, there is that depth there and, and, and it'll add a dimension of excitement um, either way. Bondi Jack is very fired up uh, too. He said, uh, Jaden Sewer was duty-bound to make that tackle. Um if Sewer pulls out, Sewer is second grade. It was not late. Cost Saints 14 points and the game. Ditto Victor's friendly push that led to Manly's try. Jeez, Bondi Jack. I'm thinking <laughs> Bondi Jack might be not so Bondi fan. He might be a Dragons fan. Sounds like he could be a Dragons fan. I kind of agree. I, I thought that was a stinker of a call. It was... Yeah. 
in the realm of late hits, was barely late. It was almost simultaneous as he passed. It wasn't that hard. The player stayed down, which is is, is another thing that I, I hate seeing in our game. But it did. It, it it impacted the game so much, and it was almost a blight on an otherwise really exciting game. Yeah. To be fair, uh, I was up in uh, schmoozing and doing my commercial role, and uh, Andrew Abdu was up in the in the club, and and he, I don't know if I'm throwing him under the bus, and he won't publicly come out and say this, but he did say I, I thought that um, it, it shouldn't have been a sim bid, and which is nice, great, great to hear, and that sort of thing, and I think that's where you know, the NRL's expectations are that maybe they'll come out and say that that shouldn't have been a Simbin. But at the same time, you, you are taking that risk. And that's what Hook will be mm. most disappointed by is you taking those risks when you are running that fine line. And um, yeah, interested to see if, if they come out and sort of say, oh, shouldn't have been a Simbin. But uh, at the same time, um, not this is, we're not faultless in the act to, to mm. you know, making that tackle. Well, Graham Annesley does a uh, presser every uh, Monday where he explains all these decisions. So it'll be interesting to see what their take it'll on that. It'll get a mention. Oh, it'll get a, yeah, it'll, yeah. there'll be a question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Panthers talking points. Viliami Kikau scored a double playing his hundredth game. I don't know if you guys caught the, um, family from Fiji surprising him with his Jersey presentation. Did you yeah, see that? Wasn't very that emotional. Nice? Yeah. Very nice. And very excited to have kick out the Bulldogs next year. Just throw that one in there. Yes, I was just about <laughs> to ask you about that. How what's he going to do for for the Bulldogs? Oh, I, again, he he adds depth, but he adds strike um, on the edge. If you've got a back row of either Pengai and Kikau or uh, Kikau and Hetherington, or you've got those three in a rotation, it's just so much firepower on the edges, a lot of raw aggression. Um, and then you add Reed Marnie next year. He's probably the one I'm most excited about to give us a bit of direction from dummy half. I think. Hooker is just as important as halfback these days as far as positions go. So I'm pretty excited oh, next geez, year. You guys are excited. I, I can see there's a, there's a text come through from a, from a Chris Kappa there who is one of my frenemies. Frenemy, <laughs> frenemy that lives in uh, Coggery. He's come in for a chest, uh, text to James. I, I let him know that you're a Dogs fan. And, and we were sitting there watching that kick-out game. And he's, he's sitting there in a you know, beautifully provided dragon suite talking about the future Bulldogs playing for Penrith. <laughs> That's how much of a sicko he is. And, uh, and he's, he's setting a question through to you. So I don't know if you've got uh, a professional analysis on uh, Kyle Flanagan. Yeah. Look, I'm interested in this too. I, I feel really sorry for Kyle. Mm. Um, I, I've got this opinion of, of Kyle of that I, I think Roosters are one of the best teams in the comp as far as recruitment goes. And they they had a position they needed to fill at seven when Cooper Cronk retired and they identified Kyle Flanagan and brought him over. And for the most part of that season, he did the job. He got the Roosters into the finals. Uh, so there was obviously some sort of fallout at the back end of, of that contract, but I thought Kyle Flanagan did a great job at the Roosters and I was really excited by his signing to the Bulldogs. Mm. And I think Matt Burton is the type of 5'8", who just needs a halfback inside of him to sort of provide some direction um, and and calm things down. And when I look at Flanagan's game, I, I, I just think that's the exact type of player he is. Avarillo is a ball runner. Um, he doesn't have the experience that, that Flanagan has leading a team around the park, and he doesn't have the kicking game that Flanagan has. So it's kind of puzzled me. And, and again, without wanting to kind of, uh, you know, put any fuel on the fire that, that's been lit already is 
you'd, you'd have to think there's been some sort of falling out between Barrett and Flanagan, or Bar- Barrett just doesn't rate Flanagan, um, which again is surprising because it was Trent Barrett that brought Flanagan yeah. to the Bulldogs. So um, I think our best spine is uh, with with Flanagan at, at, at halfback, and I'd love to see him get that position or, or at least get, get given the chance to, yeah. to show what they brought into the club for. But the most telling sign for me was that they did not give Flanagan any time in either trial with mm. Burton at 5'8". They didn't even have a look at that that pairing to see how it looked. So I think the writing was on the wall for him before the the season even started. He almost feels like he's just get, being so wasted there because it, it didn't even feel like he ever really got a go there to start with. Um, I, I find it a really fascinating situation, as you said, um, going over to the club and then not really having a go to prove yourself. And then with new, a new halves pairing, not even seeing that in the trials, how that on, might look. On decent coin as well. Yes, exactly. I think <laughs> decent coin always does uh, make you think that there's something else going on in the background and, and potentially something is going on with that decent coin because he is being wasted and there'll be, there'll be an opportunity for him elsewhere if, if it's not with them. But it's not all bad for your dogs. You're sitting in the eight. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. long has it been, Jason? <laughs> I couldn't tell you the stats. I'm sure my mate Chris Kappa could. But I'm sure, James, have you got you seen oh, a little bit of a stats guy I just, I just got told before we came on air that it's the first time since 2017 that the Bulldogs have been in the top eight. So that's it. <laughs> You're a stats man. That is a very offensive stat to be thrown my way. <laughs> I want to start the chat of Flanagan to the Raiders. Yeah. Can, well, we, can we take him? Look, here, here's an We've interesting one. we injuries going here, on. Here's an interesting one, right? And this is, this is uh, looking at my crystal ball. If the Bulldogs don't play well over the – I think there was talk that Trent Barrett had six rounds or whatever to, to impress – the first game they won it, were they impressive? No, it was, it was a rough game. Let's say things don't uh, work out there. There's not many coaches on the market that could step into that position. The one that comes to mind for me is Shane Flanagan. Okay. Could you have a coach, halfback, father, son combination, Shane Flanagan, Kyle Flanagan, Panthers-esque, uh, that, that that turns things around like for Kevin the Bulldogs. Kevin and Billy Walters, yeah, too, yeah. Hands off. He's Shane's currently employed as our list manager, <laughs> so he's currently employed at the Dragons. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So he's not. It's a conflict of interest um, there. He's not. He's not available. Um, Every time I've spoken to Shane, he's pretty keen on getting back to head coaching. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's fine. But he's uh, under strict uh, contract <laughs> conditions, and uh, the Bulldogs have to tip in a lot to to get him. Ah, uh, tip. There. Look at how much <laughs> we're, we're tipping money everywhere at the moment. <laughs> Bring uh, him in. Just just um, on some of those Panthers injuries, James Fisher-Harris has got a shoulder injury. Brian To'o knee. Um, they'll undergo scans. That's two very big outs. Panthers are already missing Moses Leota for eight to ten weeks as well. So um, That is one thing the Dragons did really well. They shut down Brian To'o. Mm. They did really well keeping keeping him under wraps. Yep. Usually he, he gets the Panthers on such a roll coming out of their own half. And I thought the Dragons shut him down really well the other night. I think Mika has really stepped up into those one-on-one um, battles and challenges, and he would have prided himself on that. I've noticed when uh, we play the Eels and, my, and he's facing Mike Acevo, it's a big sort of up for him to, to get into involved in that. And there was clearly some, some game planning that needs to happen against Brian Toll. And I think Mika was a big part of that. He dragged him into touch once, and he was really solid again himself. So, um, yeah, 
credit to Mika there and, and, and obviously part of the game planning, but he really stepped up to that one-on-one challenge, which is, you know, he wouldn't come out and say that he did that, but you can tell by the way he approached it that, that he was thinking, how do I how do I put one on this, one of the game's best wingers? All right, well, we've got plenty more coming up. We've got to go one uh, through one more game too that was huge on Thursday night, but you can text in on 0457 736 736. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Welcome back to Crunch Time, brought to you by Izuzu. The Izuzu D-Max is born to live myself, Jaleesa Apps, Jason Nightingale, and James Magnuson here. You can join the show anytime. Call 1300-01-1170, which is exactly what Chris from Rose Bay has done. Hello, Chris. How are you going? Good. How are you, Jaleesa? I'm very well. I, I just- I just wanted to ask Jason, well, a question before I get into what I want to talk about. Your career highlight, Jason, was it uh, beating those Aussies in 2014 and scoring the tries, or was it those two tries and winning the 2010 Premiership? Or can you separate them? Yeah, I have to categorise them, I suppose. Um, so we, we're lucky to have some great amount of success with the Kiwis and um uh, yeah, some great tournaments, 2008, 2010, after the grand final, we, we won the Four Nations and then 14 was, yeah, another, another epic, epic win. I think we were number one in the world after a few games. So, um, they're, they're like a, for me, a representation of family and, and all my family back home being able to play for New Zealand is something that was so special to me. So to be able to have success, uh, win with those, um, games was something in a different side of the importance, but there's nothing that beats winning a NRL premiership because of the the sheer amount of time, how close you get to your teammates, the amount of work, the amount of community that goes into that, the fans that, that have been sitting there waiting, especially our long-suffering fans before that 2010 time was was uh, it, it meant a lot more to a, a greater amount of people, and I think you know my teammates included, um, being able to uh, win the grand final with people you'd been sacked or I'd been playing since sort of 2006 there. So going a lot of years uh, with the same team, but there'd been people there for 12 years at the back end of their career who hadn't tasted that success. So being able to enjoy that with them and, and get the grand final win was, was definitely a career highlight overall. Um, but yeah, definitely categorising that, that New Zealand success through through family and that. Well, you were, you, you were a junior as well, weren't you, for St. George? Exactly. Well. So yeah, so that that's the other part of it. That's what I mean by the community appeal to it. You know, there's a lot of people that along your own journey and, and whether you come from St. George or Illawarra or even externally, um, a lot of people sacrifice a lot of time for no money, just pure effort, pure care because of their um, their care for the club and the game, but grassroots rugby league in general. And, and um, yeah, to be able to come up through that system who who is supported by so many people that that, that do it out of out of love um, is to give back on that. It, it makes it more special to, to do it for your junior club. Okay, now here's my question. We had Kavita Pangai Jr. last year, who was a disgruntled player at uh, Brisbane, mm-hmm. um, on his way to the Bulldogs, and he makes a cameo appearance for Penrith, even though he got injured and didn't play. I'm just wondering, A, is it going to happen again this year? Have clubs got money set aside, perhaps 
to uh, get players, but B, should it be allowed to happen? Because I know the league were going to look into it. And a lot, I was one person who didn't like that last year. I don't want to see players conscripted into clubs for like the semi-finals from the clubs that don't make it and they're leaving the club. Um, what, what's your guys' opinion on the, for instance, what happened last year with Tavita Pangai Jr. being allowed to play for the Panthers? Well, I think that that was a situation because of COVID and um, being up in uh, Queensland that was just, there was some flexibility put in there um, because of not being able to get players into bubbles, that kind of thing, because of the rules were so strict. So I think you probably, that was probably an exception to the rule, but I understand that it was a little bit jarring, I guess, to see a player within 12 months be playing for three uh, different clubs, something that you probably wouldn't want to see, Jason? I think for the for the reason you gave, as in to give them a bit of impact going to the finals, I, that was probably just a, what happened. But And you don't like to see that, especially if you're supporting a club they're playing for and you go and see them have success elsewhere in the same season they're with you. Um, isn't ideal, but I think on the other hand, I like it in the game as in the loan of players was interesting and I think it, I saw the impact it had on um, some, certain players. So Tunnel Brown came to the Dragons um, and only for a few weeks, but seeing the way that that, that group and they, they welcomed in, I saw him training around a bit, um, brought him in, showed a bit of this is what the Dragons are about before you go back to the Warriors and do your thing there or you know wherever you're going to go throughout your career. You get a piece and share, share in your own club. I only played for one club, so it's pretty sacred to, to go out and learn. I, I, I learn a lot playing for the Kiwis about different cultures. So from the player's perspective, I think it's good and if it adds a bit of value to the club, but I definitely against your, um, yeah, sort of what happened with, with Penrith getting Tevita Pangai going to the finals, that's, I think, the wrong use case for that. And it probably wouldn't be... Yeah, was... It's probably unusual to see a player of his calibre to be involved in those kind of trades as well. Yeah. Well, just say, for instance, this is... Okay, just say, I know they won very well last night, but we've heard about Jason Tomalolo and Valentine Holmes and some of the issues they might have with the coach. And I'm thinking, just say they agree to leave North Queensland, they're going to another club, but North Queensland aren't in the mix for the eight. I'm just wondering if for a few clubs that are in the eight might consider trying to pick up those sort of players for the semi-finals. I don't want to see it happen. But I just wonder if that's in the mix this year or not, if they can do it. It depends how much uh, it's all salary cap bound, that stuff. So if they've got, if they've been smart or um, been able to manage it right and, and are saving a bit of cash for an opportunity like that. But for players of that calibre, it's not usually the use case. I think that's what um, Jaleesa's saying is that unless you've got a spare half a million in your cap, which yeah. no one does. Yeah. I think it, it worked out last year, though, because the the season had run so far and we were almost at semi-finals. They only had to pay Pengai's uh, perceived uh, worth mm. for that last couple of rounds. So it did end up being really nominal amount. Mm. And I thought it was a pretty bad look, to be honest, mm. to have the Panthers, who were already stacked, able to bring in Pengai Jr. to add that extra... X factor leading into a semis when the other teams that were that were in the mix didn't. Um, it was just a really bad uh, first example we've seen of it. Like yeah. If if that had been a, a club hovering on the bottom of the eight and they brought in a player to kind of maybe help them challenge those top teams, it it wouldn't have had the same perception. I don't think for the fans, but certainly as a fan that I when I was watching, I was like, this is flat out unfair. That yeah. They can. They can pay Pengai Jr. I think the reported fee was 
somewhere around 100,000 to come in and play um, the last two games of the semi-finals when they're already such a top-tier team. Mm. They didn't. They actually didn't need him. They didn't even play him in the grand final. He, he picked up a minor injury, but yeah. um, I thought it was a bad look. Yeah, it's fair. It's a fair point. Thank you, Chris. We've got to uh, take a break, but thanks so much for your call. I don't think uh, any fan is going to want to see that on the regular. We will uh, take a break and come back with Tom Gilbert. You can join the conversation just like Chris on 1300 01 1170. Text 0457 736 736. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Welcome back to crunch time. I am with Jason Nightingale, James Magnuson, Jaleesa Av. Sock is playing cricket this weekend, but that's okay. I've got two of the best filling in for him. And we've got Tom Gilbert on the line. The Cowboys broke my heart last night against the Raiders. Tom, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. How did that win feel last night? It's a, been a bit of a streak. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It was obviously even better being up at home in front of our home crowd and um, not just winning as well, but we, you know, we won pretty well and um, played a game that we, you know, we've talked about a lot for a while and um, going out and doing it for 80 minutes was a nice feeling. Tom, James here, mate. Thanks for coming on. Uh, just looking at the stats from the game last night, you guys ran for more than 600 metres uh, more than more than the Raiders pack, uh, which kind of tells the story of, of what we all saw. You guys dominated them through the middle. Was that a big focus for you guys through the week? Yeah, it was, of course. Um, we know they have a good middle themselves, and obviously um, the Raiders play off, off their middles and Tarpany and Papali and players as such, and we obviously knew that if we wanted to beat the Raiders that we had to go through the middle. And um, you know, we're lucky enough that uh, we have one of the best players in the world, Tamalolo, and um, Jace did more than his job last night and did it really well. And I guess he led from the front and um, all the rest of us just followed. Nice. Tom, Jason, I'd go here. Um, we have talking just before the show, James and I, about the depth in back row there. Um, how are you guys uh, competing? How are you guys managing? How is it a le- as a learning environment? It seems like you're really... Um, yeah, really good positions to to uh to take advantage of your halves putting in holes and and a lot of depth there in the back row what have you been doing and how have you been motivating each other there yeah it's been obviously it's handy having um i guess that uh depth in the back row um obviously Leilua comes next year as well which is awesome for our depth as well and um you know the thing about us three is we're all about the same age and we're all pretty um fresh coming into first grade, you know, especially the younger two and Healing and Jeremiah. And I think the good thing about us is that, you know, we come with good attitudes, we come willing to learn and we push each other in um, different ways. And um, at the same time, we're there for each other and we support each other and um, we really enjoy playing with each other. And I think that's the main um, ingredient for um, this season with us three is that um, we're all enjoying each other's company yet, you know, still challenging each other at training and, um, in the game and um, it's healthy competition and I think you know with the rotation that Toddy's doing um, especially with H and I um, you know it really suits us because I do prefer playing in the middle but I, I am really enjoying my time at back row so to get the opportunity to do both in a game is awesome and then you get someone of the calibre of feeling to come on and replace you you know the job's getting done you know probably you know 
just as good, if not better, sometimes. Yeah, it certainly looks like you're enjoying it. Yep. Wins, Tom, been few and far between the last couple of se- uh, seasons. Two-part question for you. First one, did you celebrate last night? Second one, <laughs> where's the go-to place in Townsville for a <laughs> night out after a big win? <laughs> uh, I would love to tell you a story from last night, but we didn't celebrate that much. Because, um, <laughs> just, just how early it is in the season and... Um, Jason would know your body's still getting used to the grind and um, games back to back, so your body's quite not used to playing footy just as just yet. So a lot of the boys are dinged up, but you know we have got the day off tonight today, and I'm sure we'll celebrate and have a few drinks this afternoon. Yeah. But in saying that, like you said, we got to enjoy the wins, but um, at the same time we can't fall in love with ourselves. And um, you know it's a long season; um, things can change. Easily, and we've, we've got a big contest this week against the Broncos um, down in Brisbane. So we just need to make sure that we're physically and mentally prepared, and we just got to do the little things around that. Yeah, I think the trip to North Queensland is more about the away team. So I think the Canberra would have been right. out commiserating <laughs> and you know just mad cowing or consorting Cow, or whatever else. Spot, yeah, well, there's it? plenty there now. <laughs> well, it's every- actually, I'll have to be up there for the Dragons game. Up there. <laughs> Everyone that goes to Canberra goes to Mooseheads. So oh, yeah, it is. It's a about few media articles from Mooseheads. About so. the away wayside. <laughs> Uh, Tom, we've had a, we've heard a little bit about Todd Payton and Jason Tamalolo and maybe their relationship maybe not being the best, but they looked friendly last night in the press conference. They were having beers. Well, how do you find playing under Todd Payton? Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, Toddy's a great person and he's a great coach. And um, I know there's stuff around Jason, Toddy, but um, you know it's not true. Jason, Toddy get along well, and we all get along well with Toddy um, and all the coaching staff for that matter. We've got a coaching staff that all bring different personalities. Um, Joe should know what Dino's like. Um, he's a bit out there, but he's awesome for the club. And um, Toddy's awesome as well. And you know, I, I love playing under Toddy. Um, his ability to have a relationship that's not regarded just as a football relationship. Right. You know, he asks us about your home life. And it, it, it's a good way to, I guess, connect to your coach, not just in a you know, footy 24-7 way. So... Um, we all get along with them well. It's it's just white noise for us at, at the moment. And we're kind of lucky up in North Queensland. We don't get too many articles like that. Um, mm. and, and when it, you know, it can cause a disruption. But, um, you know, we, we, we don't want to pay too much attention to it because we know it's not true. And, you know, we're, we're a club at the moment that's getting along really well with each other. And um, I think that shows on the weekend too. I think you could see it in the press conference as well. But they get along and that all the boys, we get along with each other and, um, you know, we're showing that, and um, you know, internally we're in a really good spot. Even after the loss last week, we were we weren't kicking stones. We were looking at ways to improve, staying positive. We didn't even last year. We didn't even turn on each other, and it wasn't a coach versus players situation. It was um, a real, I guess, for a losing environment last year. We're still positive. We're still friendly. Yeah. We still wanted to work hard, and we still got along. And um, at the end of the day, we are people. And footy is our job, and um, the coaches have done a real good job making that an enjoyable place in the moment. Tom, I imagine you'll have a one eye on the, this afternoon's game um, when you're taking on the Broncos next week. That's going to be a huge one, isn't it? Yeah, I understand. I'll be watching that closely, obviously, with the Bronx next week. And uh, I think probably regardless how the Bronx play today, um, when you're coming against each other, it's going to be a good tight game. And, um, you can see the type of team they are at the moment too. They've gelled well together and 
um, put a good performance in last week against the Rabbitohs. So there's no doubt they'll be coming out next week firing, regardless of today's result. But um, I'm really excited for the opportunity to play in Brisbane. It's my hometown and play against the Broncos. Does it, they mean a bit more, those derby matches? Yeah, 100%. Um, there's a bit of history behind it with, with the early days of, you know, the um, stereotype of the Cowboys being the little brother and um, obviously in recent years with Thurston and some of the games he um, led the boys into, into with the grand final and the golden points and the semi-finals as well. So there's a bit more to it lately and I think, I think this weekend coming up it's going to be a bit like that because both teams are to scrape, scrapping to get out of the bottom four this year and you know get back to finals and playing good footy so um, I'm sure come next week it's going to be whatever it takes kind of game with, with both teams. Okay well thank you so much for jumping on and chatting to us uh, that's Tom Gilbert from the Cowboys good luck next week I was devastated to see you beat the Raiders but um, congratulations on the win. Thank you very much thanks for having me guys. Thank you very much. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back after this. Follow Crunch Time on Dabble. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Well, we're joined by Josh from Dabble. Josh, how are you today? Delisa, great. How are you? Good to be back on the show. And I tell you what, what a round of footy already. I don't, uh, don't think anyone's doing too well under punting. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. There was a little bit of an upset yesterday. Can you can you tell us about our, the SEM multi, how that went? Yeah, that's right. So the crunch time, the Saturday team had one going. Uh, they wanted the Titans to beat the Warriors by over 12. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But the Raiders, uh, upset by the Cowboys. I mean, I know you're a Raiders fan, so you wouldn't have liked that. No, that broke my heart. No, it wasn't one that I saw coming. Maybe there was maybe a few people that were a little bit shocked by that. Oh, I reckon a few multis getting undone there. But that's all right. That's what happens sometimes, unfortunately. So can you just, first of all, remind us about Dabble. What is Dabble? So Dabble is a new betting app giving punters a new experience. Uh, so, of course, you can do your standard betting with Dabble. But the other great thing is if you imagine WhatsApp and Twitter combined with betting. So when you jump on, instead of uh, a feed with, you know, journos like yourself or people uploading photos, what you get is tipsters uploading their bets and their multis, which you can just copy straight away and you're away to go and bet. What's today's bet? What should we look at today? Yeah, so just having a look at your one. Uh, we've got uh, Newcastle to continue uh, their winning form as well as the Broncos. So, uh, I don't know. What do you reckon about that one? I always, I'm very reluctant to give my bet because it's always wrong. So whatever I've said, go with the opposite. Oh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm going to copy just to support you there. And uh, go on, have a dabble. Dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Enjoying Crunch Time banter? Check out Dabble banter channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's lunchtime. Which means it's crunch time on SEN. Brought to you by the extraordinary Isuzu MUX. Go your own way with the three-liter Isuzu. Welcome back to Crunch Time. You're with Jaleesa Abs, Jason Nightingale and James Magnuson. Sock is away today. He's playing cricket. Randwick Petersham chasing down Manly Warringers total of 105. They're to Ranwick a two for 37. So they need to get Sock. Oh, he's just started bowling actually, Sock. So... 
Maybe he'll take a couple of wickets. We've got um, the uh, first suspension of the year in the NRL. The judiciary's just come out. Um, Teague Wilton um, charged with grade two dangerous contact charge on Mitch Moses. If he takes the early plea, one match guilty, he'll get two matches if he um, chooses to contest that. Fair, boys? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think he probably just didn't want to play us against play against <laughs> us next week. He doesn't like leaving the shy Teague, so he won't have to. <laughs> Very good. Um, the Storm defeated the Rabbitohs. Uh, this was a we can bear. I can barely remember this game. It's now the uh, the Thursday night game, so it's a little while ago. But the Storm defeated the Rabbitohs fifteen to fourteen. We've actually got some highlights from that call um, that we'll take a listen to. Now Munster looms up. Grant runs away from him. Where's his support? He gets to Latrell deep. There's Munster. Somehow he shook off the defender. The hair's wild, but. The team is hot. They've got to get Wes. Got to go right. Go right. He's going to go to the two point field goal. Two point field goal. Latrell hits it. Nails it. Nails it. Nails it. You are kidding me. He can't kick a goal to save himself and he's nailed it from 46 metres out. Goes back to Pappenhausen. Pappenhausen steady. Through the kick. Got it. Storm loved it. Broke the hearts. They were very fired up at the SEN commentary team. It was, I think, James, you said it off air when we were um, talking before. You said it perfectly. It was 70 minutes of not overly interesting footy and then 10 minutes of absolutely thrilling footy. Yeah, I nearly turned it off. It was 70 yep. minutes of the worst, most dire football. <laughs> Souths couldn't catch a cold down there in Melbourne. Um, so much drop ball, so many penalties, so stop start. I thought Melbourne could have put them to a sword. I was almost surprised that they didn't. A few missed opportunities. Melbourne were the better team on the night, but that, that field goal from Latrell was just the most clutch play of the season mm. so far. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty, like you said, 70 minutes of boredom and then 10 minutes of edgy seat, which made it all worth it staying yeah. up later on a Thursday. And um, yeah, Jimmy's call really summed it up well there. The excitement that, that came to life. It just came to life from from the dead. So um, yeah, weird, weird game. Both teams, yeah, like you said, Melbourne should have ended up a long way further ahead so that they didn't have to worry about getting a sim bin. And then, and then South found a way to execute and, and that, was a, that was a clutch play. Um, and yeah, Jimmy hitting with a true stick. He couldn't kick a uh, penalty <laughs> goal, but, but yeah. nailed, a, nailed it from outside the 40. So, mate, yeah, it, it was great that game did come to life because it's the sort of contest that we expect to see, um, yeah, like an affair like that at the end. I made the mistake of when I was tipping this, looking at the outs, Christian Welsh, Brandon Smith, forgot to sort of look at the ins or think about the ins. Cameron Munster, Harry Grant, almost better than the outs. Uh, is this sort of, um, I guess, proof that... Storm, they're two from two now. They can overcome those injuries that they had. Yeah, I think so. They'll be there at, at, at the important part of the season. The the big takeaway for me was, you know, at that 60-minute mark, I was really starting to question Souths. And mm. their attack looked so clunky. The That left side that was dynamite last year, there was a lot of drop ball. I was worried about Jackson Paulo at centre, um, you know, missing Gagai this year. But... I think they just showed in that last 10 minutes, it's still there. They just need it to click. Um, people were writing them off last week without without Reynolds. I, I, again, I think South will be top six, probably top four, um, and they'll be there or about at the important part of the season. Um, it, it just showed 
when it clicked, they've still got it. And against Melbourne, they, they still looked good in that last 10 minutes. Craig Bellamy, uh, a win in his 500th game too. I can't imagine. Coaches are so weird. I say this all the time, but they are just such odd people that I can't imagine coaching 500 games. Would you ever want to do that, Jason? No, it's a special, special breed of human. Do you um, think they go to coaching and they get weird or they're weird and they go to coaching? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, like it's, they're weird in a nice way. They're yeah. just odd people. They're very intense. Yeah, well, it's, it's, intense, uh, it's an intense life to, to choose to live and um, – yeah, the, the scary thing is they cross over into a media a lot, so you guys should be able to see them, see them cross paths with them here and there. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, that that intensity is what uh, it makes the great coaches. And you see, you know, I've been in many a coaching box uh, when I've been injured or you know, not not suspended, never got suspended, but injured, uh, um, where you just you just feel the intensity that that we see on television. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that's part of that color is what what. Uh, it makes us love love or hate coaches. What I love about Craig Bellamy is that um, they can be 32 nil up and he's still raging. Like you can see, you can't tell when he's screaming. You can't tell, are they, are they up? Are they behind? Mm. You'd think that they're behind all the time, but he's just got that intensity. I always wonder about when I see pl- injured players sitting in the box, how uncomfortable is that? It's like you sit there, you hope you got at least one person to sort of nudge and like, did you see that? Or like, <laughs> like, like just, but um, yeah, you, you try and help. You, you're there to look at things that can't be seen. There's plenty of other people in there for it. So um, partially entertainment. And yeah, no, I've had the pleasure of being in there. And, and it's it's such a melting pot of emotions um, and directions and, and chaos that, um, yeah, it really gives you a, a deeper insight into to, to what goes on. The Rabbitohs have never won in Melbourne. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, There's a, a stat, stat that's even more depressing than your Bulldogs. Yeah, I heard that during the week. They've ne- literally never won a game down there. It's, yeah. not a, it's not an extended amount of time. It's ever. 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 The Storm, uh, the next four games, they've got Eels, Bulldogs at home, Raiders in Wagga. Oh, I feel like that's going to be a hard one to watch. And Sharks uh, down at home as well. So um, are we expecting I, – I picked the Storm to be in the grand final. Are we still thinking – I think, I think they'll be top four. My, my grand final is uh, Penrith and Roosters. I think once the Roosters mm-hmm. click, they've got all the makings of a premiership side this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Storm, there are about definitely. What about you, Jason? I had Manly Roosters grand final, but um, James has, has got me off the Manly bandwagon. No, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, I, I think Manly will make the grand final. I think they'll come second. But uh, yeah, um, I'm not sure. Uh, Dragons, hopefully there or thereabouts is the main, main objective. All right, well, we are going to take a look at the Knights and Tigers after the break and the Bulldogs and the Broncos, and we're joined, We're going to be joined by Willie Mason, so we'll catch you after that. Um, 20 more seconds. 20 more seconds. Oh, sorry. Hang on. We've got 20 seconds to fill. All right, well, let's actually start looking at those games, Knights and the Tigers and the Bulldogs and the Broncos. What are we, what are we tipping in those ones? I'm going to go Tigers with the KP out. Um, and, and then uh, <laughs> I'll... Uh, I'll just leave judgment on James on the other <laughs> one. No. James? Yeah, uh, I think I think uh, Knights will get the job done. They showed enough against the Roosters, and I'm going for the Bulldogs in the second one. All right, well, I'll save mine. And there will be, <laughs> yeah. It'll be a teaser to come. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. 
Welcome back to Crunch Time. You're with myself, Jaleesa Raps, Jason Nightingale and James Magnuson. You can join the show at any time. Call 1300-011-70 or text 0457-736-736. The NRL double header today. The Roosters have just defeated the Eels with a field goal with two minutes to go. So another thrilling finish. It's been a good week in both the men's and the women's NRL. There's been good finishes in, in every game. Knights and the Dragons are on now. The Knights are 4-0, I can see, up there. England need 131 more runs to win from 33 overs against New Zealand in the Women's World Cup. Australia obviously got through um, beating to the semis eating India yesterday. Um, and the Dragons in the NRLW could join the Broncos t- on top with a win today. We'll, so we'll keep our eye on that. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, Andrew. He wants to chat. NRLW, right on topic. Andrew, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm really good. That's good. Um, yeah, I was just uh, over at Newcastle, actually, because I'm from up here. And um, as a as a Razor's Razor tragic like yourself, um, I'm not throwing a tantrum, but the NRLW is actually a better product. It is so fun and so exciting to watch. And, yeah, I just wanted to send a shout-out to all the NRLW players and with a couple of teams coming in next year and, and a couple more the year after. Um, I think it's going to grow. It's going to take off. It's really, really exciting. Yeah, I think you're right, Andrew. It's certainly come up a lot um, in the past few years. And we have to remember it's only been around since 2018, so it's incredible to see how far it's um, it's gone come. What what do you, what teams would you like to see join the competition if there's going to be four more over the next two years? Um, well, like I said, as a Raiders tragic, I think the, the Raiders have been trying to um, come up with uh, what the Valkyries, I think. I yeah. think they're trying to build a brand around right. that, so that'll be, that'll be awesome. Um, but... I wonder, with the NRL sort of talking about PNG always coming in and stuff like that, I wonder if there's an opportunity there for for a team that's a little bit more um, risky. Like for market research and, you know, we talk about Perth coming back and stuff like that. It'd be great to have um, some teams that that aren't part of the mainstream of of the clubs we already have. Uh, Tonga and Samoa and all those sorts of teams. I reckon it'd be really interesting to to actually expand out to way more teams, potentially 20, if you know what I mean. But they don't necessarily need to have the cost of playing every week. But it would be fascinating to see, uh, um, you know, Japan, um, all, all sorts of different teams from different areas come in and, and, um, and have a go. Because um, the, the running and the, the, the gamesmanship and the wrestling isn't there. So it's actually really exciting to watch. And I wonder if it could be more of a sort of gala and exhibition kind of atmosphere with lots of, Lots of teams that don't necessarily play every week. Mm. Hi, Andrew. Uh, yeah, Jason Iger here. Um, yeah, really, really like Yo. your uh, uh, enthusiasm around around Japan, especially. Um, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were discussing this beforehand around potentially. Well, I'd love to see a second team in New Zealand. I think yeah, uh, Papua New Guinea is a really great idea to um, tap into the market that's obviously there and and ready to go. And um, yeah, we, we we were even talking about bringing out some of the golden oldies. We, we had. Um, up in Queensland with uh, Billy Moore giving his North Sydney Bears uh, speech and his Queenslander mm-hmm. stuff and someone like that, North Sydney yeah. Bears, where we're in North Sydney studio right here, getting getting those brands mm. um, back to life and, and, and building that pathway back up might be another another angle that um, we're all speaking about as well. Thank you yeah, so much. I, for I you. Sorry, go on, Andrew. No, I was just saying it would be really, really exciting. So, yeah, anyway, thank you and good job, Jaleesa. Nice to meet you guys.
Thank you so much for calling, Andrew. I love your enthusiasm for the NRLW and hopefully um, it's getting more viewers on because it's certainly the product has come a very long way in just a few years. One of the really exciting games today, the Bulldogs and the Broncos. You look at this game and you think it's not uh, maybe exciting in terms of the top of the table kind of clash, but there's a lot of talk to Vito Pengai Jr. playing against his old club um, and Adam Reynolds obviously playing for the first time in Broncos Colours and joining us to have a bit of a chat about it, Willie Mason. How are you going? I'm good. You can say you can thank Mags for this. But I'm only going to do it for you, mate. Oh, thank I you. I love Mags. I said, mate, I'll I'll do it for you, mate. I don't do that many interviews these days. So well, hang I'll on a second. Fun. I need to know where this friendship to, has come from. How did you? How did um, this come about? Well, I think we were a mutual friend, and then we just started hanging out. And I, I didn't know Mags was. Mad Bulldogs fan, all that kind of stuff. He's from Port Macquarie. Then we just sort of connected and had a few good, um, few good nights together, and sort of just <laughs> gone from there. Yeah, so you've gone a bit weird, James. You've gone from fan to friend across the line. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah, yeah, we're mates yeah, now. Yeah. We go out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty. Has he got his shirt one. on? Does he have his shirt on? Uh, yeah, he does have his shirt on. He's had his shirt on the whole time, which is great. Absolute beast. I swear, if they had got him when he was younger, I always say that he would have been a gun front rower or back rower in life. In this modern age, or union, but yeah. he, just, he stuck to swimming and he did all right in that, so that's all right. Got some nice words for Willie, James, yeah. or are you just going to sit there and take all the praise? No, no, I just wanted to say, Willie, so last week, obviously, we got the job done over the Cowboys. Mm. A couple of the guys that impressed me, Jack Hetherington, moving from the middle to the yeah. back row. I know you worked a lot with him yep. in the off season. Um, what did you need to work on with Jack to kind of make that transition? And he obviously did it quite successfully. Yeah. Well, just in um, when you've been playing in the middle all the time, like I played in the middle and I played on both edges. So I understand a middle mentality. You just want to get in there and just really beat the hell out of everyone. On an edge, you've got to be, you've got to be really careful because if you turn your shoulders in all the time, then they'll skin you on the, on, the, on the edge all the time. Halves are just too good. Back rowers run too good a line. So... We just had to really train him into just sticking with his right four. Like Jace would know a fair bit about this. If, you're, if your right four just keeps turning his shoulders in, you're going to get skinned on the outside. So we had to learn a few little things. But main, his main thing is just aggression and running hard. You know what I mean? He's a, foot, he's a natural footballer, so he picked that up quite easy. So just a little bit of work with him and he was fine. He's, um, he's sort of, I, think, I think he changed the game last week. It was, the, the game was in a balance and he started getting some real early balls instead of us going out the back all the time. We started hitting Jack on those front lines, and he just started really making some big dints in them. And um, we end up going down there and scoring a, scoring a try. So he's a, he's a big part of that team. Holds a lot of energy. He's a good kid. Hey Willie, JC, mate. Um, so you picked up on you don't do too many interviews these days. Is this because of your foray back into coaching, or to lock it down in in Bulldogs Town now, or what's the reason behind that? Not really. I don't know. Like I do my own podcasts and stuff like that. I say enough on that. You know what I mean? Like it's just more. <laughs> yeah, I say that that's just more raw, and it's you know what I mean. I can still really talk about the game, I swear a little bit, and sort of be myself. And like interviews and that, and things can get taken out of context. So like if you're gonna like. I would never. Out of context. No, no, I know you guys wouldn't. That's why I did the interview. But like most other like little plan, you know, like Fox Sports and all that sort of stuff, I just wasn't happy with that. So take out of context. And they try and, you know, change the narrative on things. So on my podcast, I can control the narrative. Control so if, the you narrative. Want to try and get, if you want to get me out of like context, listen to the whole show. And then you'll be like, oh, okay, I get what he's talking about. Don't just take little bits in and out. And, you know, and I've been around the game for a long time and I've done enough interviews and, you know, it's all... It's all like that. And, and it's probably a little bit to do with, with uh, my 
situation at the Bulldogs, uh, Nighty, you know what I mean? So, you don't really want to come out. I, yeah. want to, I don't say that much about the Bulldogs or anything like that. And, or you know, even, any, even any other club, I sort of just hammer, not hammer, but like yeah. I'm very big on just players, like just how the players are getting treated and like more player welfare and HIAs and again, caring about players being retired and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really, I really, um, really echo, you know, a lot of thoughts between even players like yourself, Jace. you know what I mean? Like we played in the same era. You know what I mean? Things like, like medical. We get two years medical when a guy like, you know, like Cameron Smith just played for 18 years, gets two years medical. You know, two years just goes by and then like all your injuries start happening when you're, when you're about 40-something. So little things like that, I think the game can get a lot better at. Nice. Yeah, Willie, I, I, can, um, I yeah. can assure you if you ever want to give a grab to Channel 10, I'll, I promise I won't take it out of <laughs> any kind of context. When you When you're talking about um, HIAs and that kind of thing, I'm really interested in your thoughts on that as one of the toughest guys that played the game. Yeah, I just think they should have an independent... If you watch the NFL, if you yeah. they come off and they, they have this little bunker... So you know how we've got our... A doctor in a bunker. Well, what is he doing? Like, how, is he, can, how can he assess anything? If it's on field and they have this little thing like they do in the NFL, you come off, they assess you independently, and then you're either, you either can play or you can't play. That's, that's exactly what they should do. They spend so much money on the bunker and all this other crap. Like, just have someone at the game every single game. Like, you've got all these independents, independent doctors that could do the right thing. Like, you can't have your own trainer come on. I swear to God, like, I've told trainers to go, you know, Get off sort of thing. You know I mean, it happens when, when you're a player and a key player. The guy, the, your coach does not want you off the field. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the way Victor Radley's like, you could t- Victor Radley's a tough dude. He shook that off real easy. Yeah. But you look at the tackle and go, damn, he's got to be rattled. But we can hold our, we can hold it together as players and as, as vets. It's like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. He could straight up lie. You know what I mean? So the yeah. trainer's going to take your word for it. It's just like if you want to really take care of a player's welfare, you've got to have an independent doctor on site in every single game. I don't think it's that hard. We waste so much money on bunkers and all this other kind of stuff, which is a waste of time. Put money into that. Mm. You know, it's easily, easily solved. It's not that hard, you know? Like when we keep whinging about HIAs and how are we going to solve it, like are you just going to wait for one of the players who – in the 90s or the 2000s just to drop dead and it's like because he wasn't you know what I mean like there's, there's something severe like that have to happen like mm. that Crawley kid from from AFL like you've got to be more proactive and start looking after players that's what I'm so big about I'm just going to look after the players more you know all, all we are is a commodity to them we get on the field we do with these modern day gladiators and do our thing and get off then you retire and then you're out of the game you know what I mean so like I'm, I've lived that I'm, I'm fine in my life I couldn't be happier, but I want the game to be better and better and better. So this next generation is a lot, they're looked after, Medi- like medi- medically, like health-wise yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like, I want, I want that. I want that for the next generation, like not ours, because it's probably, they probably just left us in the wind and even guys in the 90s and 80s and stuff like that. They didn't care, but that's what the game was about. Mm. It was like wearing that heart on your sleeve and that, you know, badge yeah. of honour when you get knocked out and you get, get back up. The game's not like that anymore. Yeah, and like I guess if you're, getting a head, if you're getting a head knock too, you probably don't, you're not in the right frame of mind to assess yourself. No, and it's not even about the head knocks. It's the trauma, your brain moving. Like I've done, I, do, I do tests every five years. Like there's a guy who does stuff up in Newcastle. I'm t- constantly just testing because you worry about that kind of stuff right. when you're like in your 40s. Right. Like I'm always, and I'm almost, I always tell guys, I'm like really close friends who I actually worry about, 
go get yourself tested so you know that your cognitive brain is like on point. And they're scared because you, you don't really want that result coming back going, you know, you're this, this and that. That'd be the worst news of your life, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not going to name any, any names, but like a couple of my mates that I played with some of the toughest dudes ever to play the game. And you sort of worry about them. Mm. It seems like Because they complain about it. That, that independent doctor is a move in the right direction. They just need to bring him, bring him into the, the stadium on the day. Hundred um, percent. Like, and just that's, and it's not hard to do. Yeah. You know, like it's, you know, Jace knows about that. Like he's had head knocks before. Like you just shove it. Whatever the trainer comes on, you're you right. Trainer's not a doctor. He doesn't know anything about brains or like anything like that. Like he doesn't know anything. All he wants is, okay, you're all good. Yep, I'm fine. No, it's it's what stadium are you at now and uh, who you're playing against. And you're like, oh, I can get these. Exactly. <laughs> what day is it? I might struggle to remember God. that <laughs> at <laughs> any a couple point. Of real stupid questions. I'm like, what are you talking about? Which way are we running? Like that way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the way I'm facing. Uh, Willie, I did want to ask. My team? Oh, I want to ask you about your involvement with the Bulldogs um, and looking at that Broncos game. What's your involvement at the moment? What are you there for? What are you bringing? Well, it's hard to like sort of like. Well, it's a long story. Gus wanted me on board ages ago, and I wasn't really that keen to go into an NRL sort of club. I want to like really look after the young juniors. I think we lost the culture of the club, the DNA of the club and the history of the club, a lot of these younger players. So like I'm, I'm really passionate about the 18, 19 year old kids coming up and I've got to sit there. I want to drive the culture and what the club's all about. It's all about hard work, defending your, defending with your mate, like defending your line, all these kind of things that I got brought up with in that Bulldog sort of, in that Bulldog culture, like that dogs of war attitude, you know what I mean? Not supposed to break all this sort of stuff, you know, like, and dying for that jersey. And that's what it's about. Like, that's what that whole club's built on. And, like, I'm really driving that thing from 16th all the way up to, like, reserve grade. And now I can just pop in into first grade and do some um, special sort of work with, with Jack and Tavita and all these mm. sort of blokes and, and just get them on, on point, you know what I mean? Because it's hard because they aren't Bulldogs players. But this next generation, like Penrith did. Like, Gus is a genius. Like, Penrith did. Like, Six, what, six, seven yeah. years ago, they're all playing SG ball, and then about eight of them come flying through, and they don't know anything but to die for that Penrith jersey. Yep. Crichton, Luai, Cleary, Fisher Harris, Kickout, all these guys. So they, like Spencer Lianu, all these guys, uh, Isaiah Yo. Now they just, they don't look at the culture that they've built there. Mm. They, well, they really, really love that, that, that club. And that's what I want these next kids to come through and love the club like I love the club. We were speaking earlier, Willie. He's not he's not a forward, but I love seeing last weekend uh, Josh Adokar ripping into the boys, telling him this isn't a time to rest. What sort of uh, attitude has he brought to training and the culture he's brought? As soon as he arrived, the energy that he that he had is unbelievable. And he's on the wing, and he's the noisiest bloke on the field. He's like <laughs> full of energy. He knows, but he knows footy. Like it's not like just because he's fast and he's like he's got a good. Um, He's a good character of the game. He knows his footy. He knows every position. He's trying to teach Naden. That's his leadership skills, like teaching Naden, teaching his young kids, like positional play, energy-wise. And that, that's a perfect thing that he did last week, wasn't it? Like yeah. he had the boys yeah. there going, it's not awesome. over. Like all of the things that he said was so special. And that's coming from a wing and he's coming in. And that was awful, awful like weather to play in up there as well. That was terrible. It's probably the worst worst stuff to play. It's hot, then it was raining, then it's humid. So that was why the, probably the game wasn't as the quality wasn't up there. But, like, I just seen things like that. And then him grinding that win out. Even though I was 
boring as hell. It's still that's how the Bulldogs win games traditionally. You just got to defend your line, and they defended their line, defended the line. They nearly got beat. And I was like, damn it! And I was so happy when they won. Just not just for the players, but for the club. I mentioned yeah, uh, earlier, Willie. Sorry, Jason. Again, um, the importance of the hype man. Do you agree in yeah. the, in the importance of having? And I imagine oh, I actually witnessed you being a bit more hype man like uh, throughout your career. What 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 sort of importance and emphasis do you place on players like Josh Adokar and and throughout your career to hype everyone it up? Is, it's so important. You know what I mean? Because these young kids these days they're very quiet. Like just looking at, at watching Bulldogs players like now, they're very quiet naturally. You know what I mean? So like when you've got a guy like Fox who's just a big character and very noisy, and he's always like this. I didn't have to do that much hyping. You know, guys like Marco Mealy, who was just crazy. Mm. You know, like <laughs> guys like Sonny Bill and Andrew Ryan and, you know, Steve Price, Luke Patton, Brent Shaw and Brayton Astor. Like, we had a lot of leaders within that within that team for about six or seven years. So, you know what I mean? Like, Pricey was captain, but he had, like, guys like, like little generals like me, like just like his little right-hand man that would be saying stuff, Tony Grimaldi, all those guys, Adam Perry, Corey Hughes, like... He had a lot, really good balance, and like I was, just, I was Marco Mealy's hype man, big time. Like, I used to send him into brick walls. I used to, I used to lie to him to try and get him pumped up. I lied. Remember he knocked Bryce Gibbs out. Yeah. I said, Bryce Gibbs has been calling you a pussy, and he's the best young prop in the game, and you're old and washed up. He didn't even say that. <laughs> it worked. It worked. I, I, I just made it up during training because I thought, well. How are we going to pump this game up? And then, um, yeah, that, that happened. And then Ogre just, you know, just coincided with Paul Gibbs getting knocked out. Ogre trying to fight him every time he got the ball. <laughs> just as important in, but, in a football team, a hype man on a night out. So important. Your you hype do. man you need a on hype a night man. out. You My God. Boring blokes, mate. They just kill you. You end up going home. <laughs> you, always, you always need a hype man. Um, uh, to something that's probably, I guess, from the hype man to someone that uh, doesn't really need a lot of hype is Tavita Pangai Jr. Uh, he's going to be pretty fired up, I imagine, against his old side, Willie. Do you think that he'll be able to sort of keep his emotions in check? I think so. That's that's probably the, the knock on him, you know what I mean? He goes a little bit too far and yeah. takes things really personal. He just needs to harness that and just make it real, like everything he does legal. Like just run hard as yeah. you can, tackle as hard as you can, but look at the rules now, you know what I mean? You hit nearly above the shoulder, you're gone. And if you're over-aggressive, because the, because just say in the 2000s, and that, you had like centers like Hodjo and like and all these guys, all, real, real, like Gallon, Birdie, all these blokes. So everyone would see that everyone was pretty rough like that and mm. over the top. So that's why when you see a person like Luttrell and, and Tavita do a little bit extra because nobody else does it, yeah, so it stands right. out so much to everyone because everyone toes the line. But if you do a little bit of extra like jersey grabbing and all this kind of stuff where that to me was pretty much the norm, um, now everyone looks at the game and go, oh my God, he's a thug, he's this and that. I'm like, well, this is just plays with a lot of aggression, but he just needs to harness it in the right way, tackle legally, don't give away penalties, and just play what Tavita Pango Jr. plays like. Just give me 30 minutes of just crazy destruction and no penalties. And like, he'll kill teams. He's just got that power. He's got that footwork. He's got, he's just got, he's, his skill set is so high. And like, he's, if he strings, you know, 10 good games together, he, you know, they'll put him in origin and stuff like that. That's the sort of ability that he has. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I just got to try and harness that sort of, that energy and put it into something else because it's not 2000s where you can get away with that kind of stuff, get up and fight, 
and do all that stuff. The game has changed. Have you been so tasked no with sort of game. telling him that? If you have, you, yeah, I do. Been, yeah. I, just try, I try to. Like I just, mate, you just got to just calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to take it all away from him mm-hmm. because that's his game. I can't go. Don't do that. It's like just do it in a different way. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you can, do, you can, you can skin a cat a thousand ways. You can do a lot of things a different way. You just can't do the cheap stuff. You know, diving on someone when they're on the ground, like because that looks like you. you you know, you're 120 kilos and six foot three. Mm. Doesn't look good when you jump on a winger like that. So we just need to be smart and disciplined. What's and that's the, it. And the, the future's massive. What's the plan for the Broncos to have a, a, a winnable game? Um, it is a winnable game. Yeah. What, what's the plan for beating them? Um, well, I thought they played. You got to stop that. You got to stop paying half. Yeah. And that's where that battle will be because I know, hey, Polynesians gets tribal, Tonga, Samoa. You know what I mean? It's, it'll, it'll get trouble in the middle there. Where Tavita will be, he'll be there. Payne Haas will be there. They won't take a backward step. But I was, I was impressed with Brisbane last time. Well, for a little bit, but then I thought it was South really disappointing. Even though South played, you know, they fought really hard on Thursday night. They're still disappointing, weren't they? Yeah. You know, they've really come down back to the pack, and yeah. you know, Brisbane come out, and Brisbane are pretty good. Like Reynolds, and you know, they've they got some decent players. Katoni Staggs, Farmworth. You know what I mean? Like uh, the Cobo, like they've got some really good talent. But if you don't stop the middle, if you do stop the middle, you stop their outside back. Hey, Willie, before we let you go, I've got two questions for you. First of all, do you have a yarn about James Magnuson that you can tell us? That you can tell us? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Just no. don't do that to us. Just straight up. No, I never would. No. Oh. No, no, no. Doesn't stu- belong on radio. No one that we can put on radio, okay. No, 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 nothing. No. He's um, a good kid. And, and what are you doing today? I want to know. I heard you. I heard a dog in the background. Oh, I have to go out there to. I have to get, go to the chairman's lounge and do all that kind of stuff, and and then watch the game. I go down to the sheds before the game. So mm-hmm. pretty free, free sort of role that I've got at the club on game day. Depends what Baz wants, Gus wants. Like I just listen. They're, they're my two bosses. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. They want. Thank you they'll so much around. for jumping on with us. Um, no worries. Good luck this afternoon. We hope that. Um, they get another win. It'd be good. It'd be a good. Um, Great. Yeah. Imagine starting that. I mean, starting the season like that would be incredible for Bulldogs fans. Yeah, hundred percent. They've been hiding for five years. Wait till, they, <laughs> wait, till we start winning, wait till we start winning some games. They'll be coming out of everywhere. Yeah. Thanks, we'll be back. Ready to go off. We'll be back. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thank you Bye so guys. much. Thanks, Willie. See you later. See you later. It was Willie Mason there joining us ahead of the Bulldogs and the Broncos preview that you can and you can hear that game here on SEN. We'll take a break and we'll be back after then. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Welcome back to Crunch Time. You're with Jaleesa Abs, Jason Nightingale and James Magnuson. I tell you what, James, Willie sounded pretty confident about the Bulldogs. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. made me more confident too. Yeah? <laughs> he is a confident Well, you're going to head out there, aren't you? Yeah, I'll, I'll head out tonight. The weather's nice. I, I couldn't think of anywhere I'd rather be than out at Olympic Stadium watching, watching the doggies. Rafa has texted in, hi guys, the dogs are back in town. Hopefully we can stick, in brackets, wooden spoon, it to the Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well we stuck it to the Cowboys last week, so we're just looking to move up that ladder. 
Just recapping some of the things we went through earlier in the show, the ARLC has approved the expansion of the NRLW and the Women's State of Origin. One thing we didn't mention at the start of the show was that um, this will also, so obviously there'll be four new teams in come over the next two years, but also the marquee players. So there'll be two marquee players as full-time employees, which has been the big thing um, for the NRLW is that um, you don't want to, I mean, it's such a short season that if you're an athlete and you've got to work other jobs outside, it's very hard to get that time off. Do you find that Jason down at the Bulldog, uh, down at the Dragon, sorry? Yeah, um, it is tough for them. And uh, that's what I've noticed probably the hardest thing. And it's the, it's probably on the welfare side of it is mm. um, girls coming in for a short competition and then having to uproot their life from wherever they are in around um, Australia or New Zealand. And um, yeah, I think that being able to get some stability, at least for the core core group of girls that are involved in, in our sport, um, is, is a step in the right direction. There's a bit of news coming out of the Panthers. Brian Toto suffered a high-grade MCL injury early in the second half. So that's the, the Panthers have confirmed that. Early indications is six to eight weeks. It's a, a long blow. time. They've got uh, someone in the wings waiting. I don't want to get the name wrong. Taylor May? Oh, yeah, yeah. Taylor May, yep. Gun. Yes. Gun. yes Watch for is. him now to cement that first grade spot. Toto to come back, but him to take the other wing position, I reckon. Mm. I've watched a bit of him in trials and in lower grades. He is the real deal. Tyro May's brother? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same as I, I, that Isaac Tago, who's been playing in the centres, another gun. Yeah, um, they were dominating in the lower grades. I reckon, um, yeah, if he gets that position... He'll he'll stay there for the rest of the year. They certainly don't have any lack of um, depth at the Panthers, which is one no. of the things that they've really done with that sort of nursery out in the bush as well, is they just mm. always seem to have good players coming through. The one that I really liked coming through the trials, unfortunately he's also injured at the moment, is Maverick guy. Mm. He looked really good. Mm. Apparently turned down a contract with the Storm yeah. to stay with the Panthers. That's so a that, difficult... That really shows you where the Panthers are at the moment. People are, are taking less mm. money and taking less opportunity to stay with the club. And isn't that a difficult call? Is he a junior? Maybe, was he a junior? Yeah. 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 Mark Guy's son. Yeah, yeah I, I knew he was yeah, Mark Guy's yeah, son, yeah. but yeah. I assumed Mark was yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a position would have probably freed up for him at the Storm with mm. Kafusi and Bromwich heading up north to the Redcliffe Dolphins. Mm. So big yeah, call, big but call. Uh, he's backed himself. Um, it's the, And the club. So Yeah, it's the type of system you want to be in, though. You can imagine the the vibes there around training just with the run there at the moment, the amount of talent they got. Um, yeah, it, it shows where they're at. Also in the um, the injury update, um, James Fisher-Harris suffered muscular damage to his left shoulder, so he'll be monitored through the week. The Panthers' next game... <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the Panthers' next game is against the Newcastle Knights in Bathurst. I love it when they take those games regionally. Yeah, Bathurst. Yeah. It's a good time of year for Bathurst. Not too cold yet. You wouldn't want to True. go there middle of winter. Mm. Um, Pong is out for the Knights today with a knee injury. He suffered that during round one win over the Roosters. Um, Tex Hoy will move off the extended bench to fullback. What do you think about that? Yeah, look, I, I I think the Knights will be all right without Ponga. I think, obviously, he's a focal point for their attack, but I was so impressed with Adam Clune last weekend. I, I think he really led the team around the park. And Clifford had a massive game as well. Clifford's really improved since coming mm. to the Knights. I was impressed by him. So if those two can steer the ship, um, their forward pack is just monstrous. Mm. Saifidi brothers, Clemmer. Um, Fitzgibbon and Frizzell, it's just such a dominant forward pack that they just get over that advantage line every set.
Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to that fullback. I think you, you, they do lay the platform and that'll be the key. Also, um, uh, Adam Clune was, was like a life mentor of Matt Dufty, so they'll, they'll play against each other. for the for, they're, they're the same age, but uh, Adam's uh, a little bit more mature. Um, and he used to keep, he used to be uh, Duff... Duffman's very hypey and uh, nice. yeah, so so he'd be like the Willie Mason, right? For, yeah, so for <laughs> Pangai in this situation, so Clune yeah. uh, against his yeah, so he's same age but mentor of Matt Dufty against each other for the first time. Um, yeah. yeah, they looked after each other and have a really um, interesting and but strong uh, relationship. Um, so they'll play against each other. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to see them have a collision because they'll they'll do something. Cheeky mm-hmm. to each other. And you can listen to that um, on from 3 p.m. The coverage starts on SEN. Jimmy Smith, Tim Mena and Mark Carroll. I've already, we've already seen Jimmy Smith and he's given us all lollies. He's just a gem, Jimmy Smith. So looking forward to listening to that one. Um, Adam Reynolds is making his club debut. This is the – it's a strange one on paper to say it's a really <laughs> exciting match because it's the Broncos and the Bulldogs, two teams that have been struggling in the past couple of years. But I am so excited to see this one, mainly, I guess, to see – if the Bulldogs can back up uh, their winning ways in round one, but also because Adam Reynolds will f- see him for the first time, the Broncos captain after overcoming COVID with his new um, side. And Tavita Pengai Jr., I really want to see how he goes against his old side. And James, you're heading out there as a Bulldogs fan and you're yeah. feeling a little bit more optimistic, you were just saying. Yeah, Willie has instilled a bit of confidence in me, but... The weather here in Sydney today, sunny, should be a dry track. Um, I expect a, a bit of ball movement from both teams. I'd love to see the Bulldogs throw it around a bit and get those outside backs involved, get Adokar into the game. Naden and Burns were a little quiet last week. Uh, we've got a little bit of strike out wide now, so I'd love to see that um, in play. Where will you be seated? Will you be caught corporate hospitality? Oh, he's in some schmoozing sideline. I'm just, I'm in the members. I'm a, a 10 year member now, a yeah. Bulldogs member. And I go down with my uncle and my cousin. Lovely. And, uh, yeah, we're Bulldogs fans through and through. So you're not lapping up any of that hospitality. Is that what you're doing? You're trying to fish here for the some hospitality <laughs> on the radio? Is that what you're doing? No, no, I've done plenty of that hospital stuff over the years, but sometimes it's nice just to be oh, yeah. in and amongst yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Particularly I find, when they're winning. I find um even when in media going up in the press box, I actually mm. find it a lot better to sit down in the in and you sort in of get atmosphere. more of a feel. Yeah, yeah, for the atmosphere and yep. how everyone's sort of um reacting to the game, I guess, that you don't really get if you're not down there. Uh, we're actually going to move on to a little bit of golf now. The Golf Challenge New South Wales I- Open is on at Concord Golf Club. Beautiful day for it out there at the moment. Joining us now is the Chief Operations Officer of Golf New South Wales, Graham Phillipson. Thanks for joining Crunch Time, Graham. How are you? Very, very well. I'm not sure if you can hear, but uh, I've got a bit of atmosphere here at Concord Golf Club as well. We've got the DJ playing and... Uh, plenty of food and uh, offerings for any spectators still wanting to come down. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a great afternoon and great to see some sun out for, for change. The sunshine looks fantastic. I'm just looking out the window now and thinking it looks very good, uh, good day for golf. You've got a DJ. That's very un-golf-like. What's going on there? <laughs> Absolutely. Look, we're trying to show that, um, you know, golf can certainly be a lot more welcoming and, uh, you know, a bit of a game for everyone. I think golf clubs have... Uh, relaxed and chilled out a little bit more in recent times too. So uh, I guess we're trying to highlight that and it's uh, not quite as the, the stuffy old game that a lot of people relate to. But uh, there's some, you know, and again, we've got uh, young Harrison Crow out there who's on fire today. He's a young New South Wales amateur um, playing in probably only the second or third New South Wales Open. Uh, 
he started the day with uh, three three straight birdies, uh, and now he's leading by four shots. Uh, coming coming up the ninth hole at the moment. Uh, he's also uh, four in front of Caden McBride, um, another uh, young Victorian fellow, Blake Collier, is, is another shot further back at 13 under. Um, but uh, one of the stories of the day, we've also had uh, young New South Wales player Daniel Gale, who's been in pretty hot form all year. Um, and he's nine under through 11 holes today. So, uh, you know, if he keeps that up, he could even threaten for the lead at some stage during the back nine. Who's your pick? Who's your money on? Oh, look, I, I must say, given I've uh, worked with Golf New South Wales and I've been in and around Harrison Crow quite a lot, um, you know, I'd, I'd have to say that uh, I've, I've seen him, you know, manage these situations very, very well before. And uh, oh, it'd be a great thing for him to, to win. And uh, I guess, you know, skyrocket him on the way to a professional career, which he intends to start at the end of this year. All right. Well, you've sold me. Normally, I'm more into putt-putt. It's a bit of a shorter game for me, but it sounds like a, a good day out there. How can um, <coughs> excuse me? How can people get out there or, or watch it? Look, you, certainly you can, you can turn up now. So um, we've op- opened the gates. So uh, anyone who comes in um, well, after 3 o'clock um, gets in for free. Um, so you can certainly come in and watch the back nine out here. Um, and as I said before, it's also on uh, Fox, KO, um, and also the New South Wales Open.com uh, website. So plenty of ways to watch it, whether you're at home or if you happen to be anywhere near Concord, uh, it'd be great to come down and uh, you know, have a listen to some of this music and, and have a couple of drinks this afternoon. I might just come down for the DJ. Thank you very much, Graham. Thanks oh. for joining us. No worries at all. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Uh, this is NRL Crunch Time, brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. Born to Live we will take a break, and we'll be back after this. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Welcome back to Crunch Time. You're with Jaleesa Apps, Jason Nightingale and James Magnuson. Sock has abandoned me today. He's got a game of cricket. He might, depending on how they go, he might not be back this week. I'm just having a look. Uh, Ranwick Petersham, three for 62. They're chasing 105 Manly Warringah, which is who Sock plays for. So it's a tight one there. Uh, just looking at the women's cricket too, the um, England need 88 runs from 129 balls against New Zealand. New Zealand lost their captain, Sophie Devine, um, early. Um, she went out for with a bit of an injury. It's a huge loss uh, for them, especially in their home World Cup. Joining us now is Bud Carroll ahead of his call this afternoon. How are you going? Good afternoon. Thanks for having me in. You look like a bit of a DJ there. You're behind the panel. Are you going to press a few buttons? <laughs> I've sat in every seat here. I actually sat where you sat, uh, where you are now, with uh, Andrew Voss on Wednesday morning on the shift, 6 a.m. to Ooh. 9. That was, um, that was good. I've, I get up every early every morning to go to, uh, to my gym at Spud's. So, right. Um, it was a bit of a change-up. But uh, this side, I don't know how they push these buttons. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible what they can do here. I suggest maybe we don't find out. Maybe we'll <laughs> just... We just leave that. What were you? Um, what were you filling in for Brandy? Were you? Yeah, Brandy. Yeah, that yeah. no, was good. I, I liked doing all sorts of uh, stuff on the on the radio. And then yesterday we did uh, crunch time on the way home. I think it was two hours of that. And then I went and see my cousin. A lot of people don't know Gary Portelli's my cousin. He, uh, right. he won the slipper for the second time yesterday. So yeah, wow. Was in my mum's place screaming at the uh, TV, and I'm so proud of him. Oh my goodness, that would have been a really exciting afternoon. Yeah, it was great. 
Celebrations yeah. afterwards? Ah, uh, he, he was on it. He reckons he's got a bit of a headache, but <laughs> he's um, he's always. I remember as a young, young, you know, he's my cousin. So as a youngster, yeah. he, he was just he was horse jumping, and then he got into the horse right. training, and he's just uh, always had a great eye for it, and uh, well under him. Yeah, beautiful. But looking at the um, the footy this round, what's been the most exciting? We've had a few exciting finishes in matches. What's been the most exciting one for you? Uh, it has to be the first game. I can't believe the way Melbourne Storm, they probably should have been you know, 30 nil winners, but just a win by one point. Mm. Uh, but just what it proves that they've got clones of every player. It doesn't matter who they lose, just put someone in. And they play for the 80th yeah. minute, not the, 80, the 83rd minute, because they just kept playing and playing. Yeah. And, um, I just love watching the way they play. Who do you think was their best? Uh, Harry Grant. Mm. He's just got better and better. Um, I think his stint when he went to the West Tigers and now he's down there as a the regular um, hooker. They talk about Cam, uh, the other guys, uh, Brandon Smith as the other uh, hooker, but I think he's going to be a fantastic utility. If you had to pick one of the three big names off contract at Melbourne to keep out of Jerome Hughes, Cam Munster, Harry Grant, who do you pick? Harry Grant. Harry Grant? Yeah, really? Yeah, it should like, be their like priority. He's the next Cameron Smith. Like, you know, Cameron Smith was just a, a massive piece of their jigsaw and I've... I just love the way that kid plays, and he plays with a smile on his face. You know, he's got the, mm. he's trying to get the Des Hasler hair. Have you seen his hair? Everyone's doing hair these days, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The mullet, the mullet is back. I had the mullet when I was coming through, but then when I got the manly, um, I had a mullet and a headgear, I had shoulder pads, I had a so-called mo that had five hairs, and I had to get rid of them. Or Bozo said, "Get rid of them," and I had to chop my hair off. And anyway, but these these guys are getting away with it. Well done. <laughs> Looking at Manly, I think everyone would have probably expected the Roosters and, and Manly to be a lot closer game. Has everyone sort of figured out how to shut down Turbo and then shut down the whole side? Uh, I think you can't blame Turbo. You can't blame the forwards. They're not rolling their sleeves up. They're not right. leaving bruises. They're not even handing out band-aids. I don't know what they're doing out there. Just putting out their cotton balls at the moment. But hopefully, um, I might have to stir Desi up this week. I like ringing Desi up to stir him right up. And I'm going to get right up him because the forwards are a disgrace for the moment. They're not laying any platforms for such a great player. That being, um, you know, Tommy at the back. Do you reckon they, look, they look a little light on through the front row stocks. Like not a lot of punch. First 20 minutes are getting dominated yeah. through the rock. I'd agree with him, mate. They, they, Fanil Blake went over to the uh, Warriors and they never replaced anyone with him. Yeah. You know, he's mm. a big body. Mm. Yeah. And you need someone, these guys these days, there's a couple of big units of yeah, when we we're coming through a bit, you know, the game's changed. I remember I got to 118 kilo and Bozo said, you've got to get to 108. I went, geez, I was just there. But now there's blokes who are playing 150, yeah. 120 kilos and getting through 20 minutes, then they come off. Yeah. So the game's changed that way. But, yeah, just get in there and rip in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, looking at this afternoon, we've got Knights, Tigers, Bulldogs, Broncos. Just a quick tip before we let you go. Uh, the Knights, unfortunately, only Pong is out, so that, that brings the chance to the Tigers to come in. I, mm. I like what I've seen with the Tigers, but also I like the attacking ability of the Knights. So I think home ground advantage up there, Newcastle Knights, the crowd will be out. Um, who's the other plan? Who's the other game? Bulldogs, Broncos. I like the Broncos. Mm. Um, they're just, you know, they've got uh, Adam Reynolds making his debut. I'm, I can't wait to see what he does with this new jersey on his back. Um, South Sydney certainly missed him on the, I know they're going to miss him throughout the year, but they certainly missed him with his goal kicking. They would have won the game if he mm. was playing. So he's, he adds a new dimension to any side. You've got a soft spot for Firebrands, Tavita today, up against the Broncos. Oh, mate, can he have a go? <laughs> I want him to take a big pass on. Like, how big yeah. is that human? Like, this, he just runs all day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I want him to get into it and, and you know, show us how tough you are. He, he, he carries on tough throwing, you know, pushing and shoving. But, mate, do something with your shoulders and bend the line. All right, well, if that doesn't fire him up, nothing will. Thank you so much, Bob. We look forward to listening to it here on SEN. Yep. Thank you. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN.
Welcome back to Crunch Time. We're, you're with Jaleesa Amps, James Magnuson and Jason Nightingale. We're almost at the end of the show, fellas. It's gone very quickly. What have you got on today, James? Uh, off to the Doggies game. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that one. Um, then setting up for a big week at work. We were sort of talking a little bit um, in the break about with Spud. Do you still swim? Yeah, a little bit, just just to stay in shape. I do a little bit of coaching, mentoring stuff as right. well. Um, so I still like to stay in and around the sport. And whenever I do coaching uh, with, with younger swimmers, I like to get in the water and demonstrate stuff, something that, okay. that the traditional swim coach can't do. Um, so I stay in shape for, for that reason alone, to keep my own yeah. technique on point so I can demonstrate to, to that next generation of swimmers. Do you ever missing, miss doing it competitively? Competitively, yeah. Like I miss yeah. the crowds. I miss the big events, the the nerves, the pressure. I miss yeah. that part of it. I, I don't miss the early mornings and hours after hours looking at that black line. Why do you all train at 4am? Well, it starts when you're young because you've got school during the middle right. of the day and you've okay. got to get two, three hours in. Right. Um, by the time I was a professional swimmer, I was more of a seven o'clock starter. And then towards the end of my career... I was a nine o'clock starter, so okay. it gets a little more civil <laughs> as you kind of move up the pecking order a bit. But yeah, those are early mornings. Like I was doing those from say 13 to 20 and then yeah. um, for the back part of my career, a little bit more um, nice uh, training hours. I'm going to put um, swimmers right up there with NRL coaches. You're a special Spikers. breed. <laughs> It's a lot um, of time to spend with your own thoughts. It's, I'll tell you that. I could never. I could yeah. never. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it must be something that really drives you and good on you. Yeah. Look, it's it's. I, I like not having as much time to my own thoughts these <laughs> yeah. days and having a bit more social interaction. Yeah. But it, yeah, all, all swimmers are the same. They love the sport. They love the water. Um, and it is something that as you get better at it, you do fall in love with. A, a lot of people say to me, oh, I swim laps. I don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't feel good in the water. I say, how often do you do it? They say, oh, once a week or twice a week. You really need to get like right amongst it and swim right. every day if you want to really fall in love with the sport, I think. Okay, good. What have you got on, Jason? Um, family time, just making up for the brownie points for, for <laughs> you calling me in on a, on a Sunday to, <laughs> to help you out while uh, Steve goes plays cricket. Um, yeah, so just Pass going, our regards yeah. on to the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go and spend some time with the family and uh, yeah, get ready for... Big work week. What's your? What are you predicting this afternoon in terms of exact score? I want an exact prediction. Mm, I'm going to go Tigers by eight, and Tigers by eight. Yeah, I nice. The Tigers, and um, I didn't give this tip yet, but I'm. I'd, I'm going to go Broncos by six. <laughs> James looks pained You're about by to that. go big man. Yeah, I was going to go, go six big. and then I looked at him and I went, oh, I was going to 16. No, no, six. <laughs> James, what do you think? Knights by 14, Bulldogs by two. Oh, wow. So that's very different, picking very yeah, different I, I think the Knights, Knights. I think the Knights have got points in them when they roll up the field through the middle and I think they will against the Tigers and the Bulldogs, I think they'll get into a, a real arm wrestle, but I think there will be some points in that one. Purely given off the weather we've got, I reckon it'll be yeah. a fast track. 
and uh, it'll be it'll be more of an exciting game certainly than the the Dogs Cowboys one was. I would love to see the Tigers go well, so I'm going to tip the Tigers, and I'm going to go with your Bulldogs, and it's purely because I just can see the look in your face that you really want them to win. <laughs> so it's I'm, maybe I'm tipping with my heart there for you. That was gearing up with thanks to Dometic, everything you need for adventures, big or small, mobile living made easy, Dometic Outdoor. Coming up next, pregame show, Newcastle Knights versus West Tigers, Jimmy Smith, Tim Manor and Spud Carroll. And we'll be back next week. Potentially, Sock will be back, depending on how he goes with his cricket today. But I'll definitely be here. Thank you very much for joining us. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.